in the name of the Lord Jesus, spirit of divination, I command you, come out of him now. Mm-hmm. He like, Whoa. eyes get big. He felt something crawl up his arms and off of his head. Wow. Are the gifts of the spirit for today? Are charismatics completely off the rails when it comes to how God moves, heals, touches humanity? Somebody was telling me this week they prayed for a finger to grow out and it grew out a knuckle, but it didn't grow all the way. Do the cessationalists actually have it right in saying that the spirit is not for today? What is the difference between this kind of new agey view of healing? A lot of it being anchored that like if you don't get healed, kind of your fault, bud. You didn't have the faith. We're going to be talking about all of this. This is super polarizing because oftentimes both sides speak right past each other. Both sides highlight folks like Benny Hinn and just goobers that don't always represent the charismatic side. And I am so grateful to be with some charismatics that represent my side. (laughs) We have, ladies and gentlemen, Remnant Radio. I think that was a good intro. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Josh, Michael, Michael, Michael. Michael. but you're Miller Uh and you're Roundtree. Roundtree. All right. Mm -hmm. So... Man, uh, I get to do amazing stuff, guys, and this is no exception. Getting to hang out with you guys, we we went to have a, was it breakfast or was it brunch? Yeah, brunch, kind of a brunch. I think brunch kind of brunchy. more famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we got to hang out today and uh, ch- chop it up a little bit about your guys' background. Um, but I think what I'm most excited about is just the practical service you provide to the greater, greater. Can I say Christendom? That's superficial. I feel feel very ecumenical saying Christendom. The greater Christendom in terms of charismatics and us not being dismissed as like low-level thinkers who don't care about theology and just kind of want to be emotional and do crazy stuff and jump off the chandeliers and play with (laughs) the flags, right? It's like you guys and Dr. Michael Brown are like the only two that I think present such a great and healthy theologically rich, intellectually deep, and practically efficient representation of continuationism or being a charismatic. And so, one, I just want to say thank you, because I think it's extremely necessary, especially in the in the, in the climate that we live in today. And I'm excited to kind of get into some of this with you guys and, um, yeah, talk more about it. So before we get into that stuff, just introduce who you guys are individually and what you guys do. Start us out, Josh. Uh, okay, so uh, my name is Josh Lewis. I started Remnant Radio in 2017. Uh, we had a similar heart. Uh, I think at the very beginning, I just wanted to learn theology and talk theology with Christians. So uh, I interviewed pastors in my local region and area. That's how I got connected to, with Michael Miller. Uh, Michael Miller uh, introduced me later to Michael Roundtree. And then one after the other, we just started adding co-hosts to the show, uh, to the program. As the content developed, that desire to normalize deep, theological charismatic expression was something that we were interested in. So you're like, Hey, it's you and Dr. Brown. That's totally true on the YouTube space. Um, but we realized that there were so many people who didn't have access to Mm. Dr. Craig Keener. Mm -hmm. Uh, they didn't have access to Sam storms, Jack Deere. Like there were so many guys that had published their content in written form and we wanted to repackage that for a YouTube space. So Mm -hmm. there's tons of scholars, tons of Christians who would hold our charismatic position, but that aren't being platformed the right way. That's good. And we wanted to help do some of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So we're in the YouTube space and all podcast channels under the Remnant Radio, but uh, we're also all pastors. Yep. And uh, and so Josh and Michael Miller both have uh, planted a church. You're about 
two years further into it than Josh mm-hmm. is. Uh, but um, you'll talk about that in Denver. Josh is in uh, in Oklahoma. I'm in Oklahoma Ada, yeah. also. He's in Ada. I'm in Oklahoma City, uh, and so I am pastoring a church called Bridgeway Church there, and so I've been a pastor for, uh, I mean, gosh, 18 years or so, uh, senior pastor for 11 or 12 of those years. So uh, anyway, but I moved to Oklahoma City in the last uh, two years, and so I've been pastoring there. Love that and love uh, love Remnant Radio, but um, spent a, a lot of my time. Uh, Michael and I, we actually used to both be in the same church, and we were discipled by a guy named Jack Deere, who um, was really probably the the biggest theologian to come onto the charismatic space, um, writing about it for a popular audience. Mm-hmm. So he had some books. One was called "Surprised by the Power of the Spirit," and another one called "Surprised by the Voice of God." And so. He had stories about miracles, stories about prophecy, and all of these things, but super well-documented, names, dates, all those kind of things. But he was a theologian. Mm. He, he went to Dallas Theological Seminary, was a professor there. And so uh, anyway, so Jack had discipled Michael and I, uh, Michael and me, and we traveled around the world with him uh, doing prophetic and healing ministry and those kind of things, but also getting the theological side. And so that marriage between word and spirit has been a big part of both of our stories. I love it. I really, I, I try it. to say as much as I can, so there's nothing left for Miller to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much to say, bro. Uh, uh, yeah, so planted a church in Denver, Colorado, uh, right before COVID, shut us down three weeks into it. Mm. Uh, so then we managed to survive that and been going strong since then. Uh, married, um, my wife's name's Sarah. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary last weekend. Uh, and then uh, have two children, and yeah, I mean, do a good bit of uh, traveling and training on the gifts of the Spirit alongside pastoring, um, and then hanging out with these two jokers and having a lot of fun doing it. So that's amazing. All right, uh, if you got if you guys are here live, Patreon. How do the levels sound? Uh, I want to make sure we're nice and even. I think we could bring up uh, your mic, Chris. Yeah. Can you bring up mic two just a smidge, like a tiny, tiny smidge for me? That would be amazing. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, I have enjoyed you guys covering the John MacArthur's and the cessationist, that kind of straw man. Yeah. Um, continuationists. What are uh, in terms of the 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 John MacArthur video? Yeah. Right? What did you guys think of how poorly presented his argument was? And how you guys just went through and, and and go watch that video, by the way, everybody who's like Team Johnny Mac. Um, you guys kind of just went through and surgically took it. I actually reacted to it, and I just loved every bit of it. So in hindsight, do you think a lot of what we're doing is just talking past each other and not even accurately representing it? Um, or do you think it's just like hubris and just like being checked out? Like I, I have a little bit more of a negative spin on that particular okay. one just because I, I don't feel like the... Uh, the issue was was settled. Jack Deere wrote the definitive work combating John MacArthur's arguments, mm-hmm. and he's never interacted, never counter, you know, never brought up an argument against what Jack has already written. Mm, okay. And so at this point, it's like this is intellectual sloppiness um, because he, he the arguments are out there, and yet he's still making the same ones. Mm-hmm. And so I I don't know. It feels a little disingenuous to me. I was happy to do the video, but we weren't coming up with anything new. All we were doing was repackaging old information mm-hmm. and putting it on a YouTube platform. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Jack had already made those arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all this content, when we do show notes, we're we're 
pull in the same six or seven books that charismatics have been, Mm -hmm. you know, leaning on for years. And we go, okay, well, this is the argument. These are the responses from the scholars. Like, yeah, I don't know Greek, but Jack knows 19 languages and is a lexicographer. He knows that that is not how you exegete that text, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to pull from these guys and repackage it and present it mm-hmm. uh, in ways that that really articulate the charismatic position well, John, I think that's this is John true. in uniqueness, right? I think, John, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not true across the board. Shriner's not the same way. No, no, no. But but I would say that you get into a position a lot of the time, no matter where you're at, if you're in the same echo chamber, you don't realize that the other side actually has good positions. Ah. I remember that me and Michael had a conversation a while back uh, was actually taped, and we disagreed on a position. And Michael hadn't been arguing with someone of a different position in a long time. And he's like, after that conversation, he's like, Josh, like, I, I need to get back to the drawing board. I, I need to go back and look at some of this. Um, and and that and that was only because not because he didn't know the Bible wasn't because because he actually can quote the verses way better. And after you know three months of looking at it again, you know. Was able he to was ready for round much, two. Yeah, he's yeah. ready for round two, and yeah, he would, yeah. you know wipe the floor with me. But that's just how that works. If you kind of live in a space where no one is ever pushing back on you, mm-hmm. you can think you have really good arguments mm-hmm. and not realize that they don't hold mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and you need that kind of pushback. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and this is something that we want Remnant Radio to be able to do, is we we want to be able to push back about uh, against the John MacArthur's and others and present cogent argumentation. But without the the fire and without being incendiary, and mm. I think that that's yeah. what, unfortunately, John MacArthur he is incendiary. He's yeah. honestly <laughs> yeah. he's mean spirited, yeah. and I don't think it's loving. And it's not loving to not even look at the other side of the argument. Now I think that can happen to any of us. To your point, Josh, that uh, that we just kind of get insular. We kind of get to where we just don't hear the other side. Uh, but I think love calls us to reach out to the other side and try to really, really understand and frame their arguments well. Mm. I think Gavin Ortland in the YouTube space is somebody who does a great job Gav- at Gavin's this. Gavin's amazing. Yeah, yeah uh, who can just like really strive. He he calls it steel manning mm-hmm. the other side yep, instead yep, of yep. straw manning. Yep. And so with Remnant, we want to be able to uh, to argue for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but without body slamming our opponents, without making, you know, trying to make them look bad yeah. and uh and i think what what some cessationists do mm-hmm. is they actually try to make charismatics look bad and that's mm. that's not loving yeah well yeah because you go to the most wild yeah over the top you know hadouken and he's yeah exactly like don't don't you play him to represent all of us okay the light year you know all that you see that and you're like i no, like that's not what happens that's not that's not what it is, yeah. you know. Um, elevator pitch, condensed version. Why are the gifts for today? Who wants the, to tackle? I mean, this is. Okay. The, I think each of us would have a different. Yeah, point. yeah. Um, I think if I'm talking to a layperson, my elevator pitch is, "Hey, I've seen the stuff. I'd want you to see the stuff, right? Like, uh, hey, I don't believe in the gifts. Cool, are you sick? And that's mm. like, okay, let's pray for you, and then we'll see you believe in the gifts." If, if it's more of a scholarly academic conversation, mm-hmm. and it's like, look, man, 1 Corinthians 1, seven says that you would abound in every spiritual gifts until the appearing of our Lord. Mm. Uh, so then then later when 1 Corinthians 13 is, talks about prophecy will cease, knowledge will cease, these gifts will cease yeah. when the perfect comes. What's the perfect? It's the parousia, the appearing of our Lord it's not, in 1 it's not, Corinthians It's 7. not the King James Version. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, not not, it's, it's not It's not the King James Version that's, you know, or, or, the, or the canon of Scripture, which, again, when I've had my cessationist friends on the show, we've asked them, the cultish guys came on, we asked them, hey, you know, do you think that the first century Christians would have understood this as the completion of the canon? Mm-hmm. Would Paul have understood 1 Corinthians 13 yeah. as the completion of the canon? If that's not the case, yep. then then it's something else. It's, yeah. it's the appearing of yeah. Christ. So that's that would be my quick pitch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, an elevator, it's kind of like, how much can I exegete a passage in an elevator? That's right. Um, but I would go to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 12 would be the one if I if I had a little more than an elevator or if I happened to be speaking to a scholar on that elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I think just in a in a true elevator pitch, I would just say, listen, it's, it's clear that the apostles expected the gifts to continue. Right. Uh, uh, we have a number of passages indicating that. It's clear that they actually did continue throughout church history. So there's the church history argument, especially for the first 400 years. They kind of tapered off, but a lots of other good stuff tapered off mm-hmm. too, like com- the right practice of communion, etc. Right. So, um, but especially for the first 400 years and all throughout church history, it continued. And let me tell you this story. I'd probably go there and tell yeah. maybe a story of someone that I've seen healed of blindness or mm. deafness or something mm. like that. Mm. So you would, so you would give us the scriptural. The historical and the personal. That's right. Sounds a lot like Wesleyan's quadrilateral. You guys familiar yeah. with that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's, it's, well, like yeah we would those. we would hold those as personal um, conversation pieces. Whereas I think the quadrilateral is trying to make sense of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, we would not let our experience paint. I, I say that everyone's experience paints Scripture, mm-hmm. but we want to resist as much mm-hmm. allowing our experience. For script, uh, to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. However, we don't mind using our experience as an apologetic approach to engaging other audiences mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. engaging with people. So that's where it would be different is that we're not trying to understand the Bible through our experience, yeah. but we're using our experience as a tertiary foundation or a tertiary um, engagement Supported, for our apologetic. Yeah, supplemental at best. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. My elevator pitch. So, uh, okay, I'll take it in a different direction just because you guys have covered some of the best ground already. But I would say that my God is the God of gods. Um, He is the ruler of all creation and the creator. And I want to preach the very same good news that he preached. He preached a message of good news about God's reign and his rule. And he demonstrated God's rule by casting out demons, healing Uh the sick, knowing things about people he should not have known, Mm -hmm. showing that he was a prophet, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then taught his disciples to do the very same thing. You know, go and do these things. And when they get healed, tell them the kingdom of God has come upon you. Mm So the rule of God is in their midst. Yeah. Um, so the the ones who were discipled by the Lord, preaching the very same gospel of the kingdom that he preached, they raised Dorcas from the dead. They raised Eutychus from the dead. Uh, the entire town of Joppa gets saved. Um, you see these kinds of power displays showing the reign and rule of God, destroying the works of the devil. Mm. So I'm just carrying on the very work that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Showing that God is still the ruler of all things. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. if... if if Jesus really reigns, we should expect to see His, the same things. Yeah, yeah. Which I love, like the first verse in the book of Acts. It says, uh, it's Luke talking. So Acts is the second volume. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, of course. And then he says, in my first volume, I wrote to you of the things that Jesus began and to do and teach. Yeah. So first do and then teach. So do would include all the miracles, the mm-hmm. casting out demons, all of that. And then teach is obviously teaching. But, uh, but, he only began. So now Jesus continues to do and teach from the right hand of God. How? 
by the empowerment of right. his spirit-filled church. And I think that's where the, a lot of Christians will root this in the age that we're in. Oh, we're in this age of the gifts of the spirit, right? Um, these signs will follow. I'll part my spirit in all flesh in the last days, right? This period of eschatological time where we're in now until the appearing of Christ. But I think another way to root it, because some people will have a dispensational approach and say there are periods of time in which God pours mm -hmm. out miracles and there's periods like this. Sure. However, I think really the rootedness of the charismatic gifts come through the session of Christ. Mm -hmm. In Ephesians 4, Christ is seated in heavenly places, and it's because he's seated that he gives good gifts to men. So the apostles, like at the, the gate, beautiful, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but this one thing, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. Right. And then later they're coming. Why do you marvel at us as if we've healed the man? It Jesus wasn't any did. holiness or piety of our own. Jesus has made this man well. So Jesus is operating in the gifts of the spirit from the right hand of God. And we are seated in him. Mm. And the question would be, are we today in the 21st century any less seated in Christ? Mm. That's how these gifts operate it by, you know, by, I don't know, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? By our session in him, our, our seatedness in right. Christ. It's in Christ it's that all these things are done. Still. That's right. Yeah. right. It's his so reign and rule being carried out. Like it's actually the point of the book of the of book of Acts yeah, that's right. that Jesus is still doing the stuff. He's so teaching. So I'm in a sermon series right now in the book of Acts. I'm very kind of familiar yeah, in it yeah, right yeah. now. But uh, the title of the series is Just the Beginning, mm -hmm. and it's based on that opening verse because the whole point of Acts is to say, well, the, my first volume, Luke, that was just the beginning. Yeah. It's still going on until the end of the age. That's good. That's good. So let's go through some of these gifts, right? I think the most obvious ones that comes to mind is like healing. People get like really weird by healing. Just some weird. People, some people don't. That seems to be the less controversial of the gifts to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 but no, I get it. Yeah, I want to go through all of them. If yeah, you want to go televangelist, it's controversial. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I want to go through all of them, but I think that one, because uh, you have kind of two extremes, Right. Um, I, I don't want to say cessationists don't believe that God can heal. I think they, they will. They would sure, say still. Yeah, let's steal man them. They yeah. believe that God heals um, today. Yeah. And, and, and but it seems like they fight back against some charismaniacs. I'm using that word intentionally because they're not just sure. charismatics where they believe that it's your faith. And it's almost a faith in faith that, yes. that heals you. Right. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it kind of bleeds into I would call new age right? That like your thoughts are things, your feelings are vibrations in the sound room that other people can sense, the it, vibes. It can get there, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and your words speak, create your worlds, mm -hmm. right? Now, what is the difference between this kind of new agey view of healing and, and a lot of it being anchored that like if you don't get healed, it's kind of your fault, bud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the faith, mm -hmm. right? Where we believe that God can heal, but God doesn't always heal, right? Mm -hmm. in, in, in a physical sense on this side of eternity. Sure. So unpack some of that for me in terms of how you guys view healing, because I think this is probably the most polarizing one, because you got one side saying, like, man, yeah, we still pray for healing. And you got the other side saying, like, if you don't get healed, it's your fault. And, right. and ultimately you didn't have enough faith. And anyone that's gone through loss or gone mm -hmm. through losing sure. someone, like it's like Which that, all of us have. I mean, it's... Yeah, that could be very brutal. I was I was um 19 years old, my best friend got pneumonia. He's a heavy set guy. And he was in the ICU for a month, and and we were there with the anointing oil and the prayers and bringing in the pastors and mm -hmm. every day worshiping, praying, and he died and didn't mm, and didn't wow. get healed, right? Oh, with pneumonia, like yeah. it was it was crazy. So I've seen, I've seen God not heal, and I don't know why. 
sure. right? But I've also seen God heal. Yeah. Like I've also seen our worship pastor who had this bizarre uh, form of leukemia and the gene mutated, and then he wasn't uh, he wasn't terminal anymore. He just had to take a pill for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. and they thought he was going to be impotent. Uh, was it impotent? Uh, well, he couldn't have kids. Sure. And then he had more kids. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've seen God do sure. miracles as well, right? So talk, talk to me about healing and, and, and kind of like how is the, the the charismatic biblical position on healing maybe different than the straw man that we see on TV? Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of things that we could take this with. I mean, you could we could certainly approach this with a uh, definition of faith. Mm-hmm. That'd be an important one to distinguish okay. ourselves from. Yeah, the word yeah. Of let's faith, guys. let's define. We'll start yeah, faith. a subsection of the word of faith. Start guys. there. Yeah. So we we would define faith um, as, uh, in particular, with faith is uh, the the object of our faith rather than the outcome of our faith. We trust Jesus, mm-hmm. and in trusting Jesus, His character, His nature, His person. Mm-hmm. When we say that we trust Jesus, what we mean is no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, mm-hmm. right? They're in the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, God can, he will, and even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. because I trust the person, not necessarily the outcome. That's I good. don't know what the outcome is coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is, but I still will trust God in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. So faith looks like no matter whether God delivers me from this prison cell in Acts or I'm going to suffer and get flogged, mm-hmm. I'm still going to trust God in the midst. I'm not, I'm not my, my, my faith isn't determined in the mm-hmm. outcome. So for us, when we look at faith, in relation to praying for the sick, our faith is in a person. God, you're good. God, you love your people. Mm -hmm. God, you move in power. Mm -hmm. So when I pray, I trust every time that I pray, I really trust that God's going to heal this person Mm -hmm. because I know him. Mm -hmm. I know his character. I know his nature. I know his power. I really come into that situation believing that God's going to do it. Mm -hmm. However, my faith will not be shattered, will not be destroyed if I don't see the manifestation of that take place now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have an eschatological position that I'll let one of these guys unpack, where sure. we would say there's this already and not yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of us are, you know, going to get healed one day, mm-hmm. right? So we don't even we don't even know that's when good. that's going to happen. That's good, yeah. Um, but I'll let one of you guys take another step. Yeah, at sure. So sometimes we'll up. call this, sometimes we'll call it, uh, like the way you characterize it, mm-hmm. an over-realized eschatology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Over-realized in what sense? Well, Uh, I mean, eschatology, study of the last things. So everybody believes, no matter where you fall on this uh, on this subject, Mm -hmm. that one day we're all going to have resurrection bodies Mm -hmm. and we're going to be fully healed, fully restored, all all the things. And so in that sense, we're comfortable saying that there's healing in the atonement, uh, that Jesus paid for it on the cross. And uh, and Matthew eight, even though it happens before the cross, it does say, uh, quoting Isaiah 53, that Jesus bore our infirmities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kind of the theological term would be proleptically, speaking mm-hmm. ahead of the what Jesus would do on the cross. Yeah. So we do believe that he carried that, but there's no guarantee that it will definitely happen in this life. That's good. And so, uh, and so it, this already not yet that you talked about, like the kingdom is here, but we're, we're still waiting for it fully. And the people who have an over-realized eschatology think, well, as long as I have enough faith and not too much sin, I can get it all now. Mm. And so we're saying, like, well, you still got to wait for the entree. Mm-hmm. Like, you get an appetizer now, but you can't have the whole entree now. Or what? Else, what's heaven for? Yeah. What's the new heavens and the new right. earth for? Yeah. And so we don't get to determine how God apportions that and how much we get now. Now, for our word of faith, brothers and sisters, I love that they're going for it. I love that they're pressing forward and trying to believe God for great things, and I can commend them for that. But I think it's an oversimplistic approach mm. to say, as long as I have enough faith and as long as I don't have too much sin 
God is in the way some of them will word it will make it seem like he's obligated. Yeah, they, and then it can look like he's your servant, declaring and decreeing and demanding. Yeah, it's, pra- you know? it's pragmatism at the end yeah. of the day. They're trying to control the outcome, mm. and they so think say that say that word again. It's what? It's pragmatism. Oh, pragmatism. Okay, okay. Yeah, they they want to they want to have the the security of knowing that they can affect the outcome, mm. rather than the insecurity of trusting a God that actually is quite secure. Um, mm-hmm. There is security in just trusting Him mm-hmm. regardless of the outcome, mm-hmm. but they right. don't see that as the ultimate security. Yeah, and I just I just would like to encourage our brothers and sisters that we have to have some space for mystery. Right. Like when good. I pray for healing, I, I don't know why God does certain things. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody was telling me this week they prayed for a finger to grow out, and it grew out a knuckle, but it didn't grow all the way. Mm. And I'm like, God, why? Why didn't yeah. you just heal it all the way? Yeah. It's actually the second story I've heard. Yeah, of we, we know happened. another story where that yeah. happened. Yeah. So, uh, but there's just there are mysterious things when you're praying for. Yeah. And so just to allow that space for a sovereign God to yeah. do what He pleases. Yeah. But I would commend them. Like it, it's right to press in. Yeah. It's right to try. You know. Do, do you guys think that? I'm sorry. Were you gonna say something? Well, I, I was gonna add just one little component to it because I don't want people thinking that that they that they just need to only expect God. God outcome and never actually expect something to happen in the moment. Mm. Um, the fact There's is, a line. we see a yeah. lot. We see a lot happen. I saw yesterday. Prayed for Josh's wife has an inner ear thing. Yeah, and, so she had tubes in her ear, and mm. one of her tubes, uh, I think, probably dislodged, caused quite a bit of pain. Mm. We prayed for her, and we all felt warmth come over our bodies, and it was gone. It was yeah, instant. Noted. She noticed. Wow. Pain now, yeah. no pain mm-hmm. instantaneously. Yeah. Now, I mentioned this, uh, when we talk about faith, there's this relational component that we need to look at. So when, when my wife's in uh, Orange County right now with, with the kids. Now, I know that when we left this morning, I can feel fairly confident in a couple of outcomes. Mm-hmm. My wife is going to feed the kids. Mm-hmm. You know I know that? <laughs> because she loves those kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's a really good mother. Yep. And I know that because I know her. Yep. In the same way, when it comes to praying for the sick, I expect healings to happen because I know the person I'm praying to. Mm-hmm. He's really good. He cares about us. He cares about That's the good. pain that we experience on a regular basis. And so my expectation, mm-hmm. I, I have expecta- expectations um, because I know the person I'm going to yeah. uh, when it comes to those requests. Right. But at the end of the day, I still trust that he's sovereign yeah. and he's yeah. he makes I, up his own I mind. I think that Daniel 3, which you quoted in the beginning, like God can save us, God will save us, but even if he doesn't, if we just carried that over into all of our healing That's prayers, good. I think that would be the best. I mean, for me, I I have my my wife has had three major health conditions for t- ten years, mm. uh, now about eleven years. But um, one of them was healed after ten years, mm. and I prayed over her every single day. And I wouldn't have kept praying over her if I didn't believe it was possible. Yep. And right. so I kept praying over her every day. And so I just have confidence in the goodness of God. Yeah. He is the kind of God who does heal. That's right. And he does say in Luke 18, 1, to always pray and never give up. Yeah. And so there are some things you just have to labor in prayer for. And our mentor, Jack Deere, used to say, you can have anything you're willing to labor in prayer for. But for him, that came from like this belief that like God will put that in your heart. Like He'll give you the energy to he'll pray. He'll give you, give you the energy to pray. And so I've just been, I continue mm-hmm. to pray. I have you know, a couple more health conditions to knock out. But I mean, she had doctor-confirmed glaucoma, can't be healed, after 10 years, she goes back to the doctor, and the doctor's like, you have no trace that you ever had glaucoma. And, and that's not something... And the, 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 gla- it, glaucoma in the eyes? Yeah, yeah, in the Whoa, eyes. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so that was one of the three. Yeah. and uh, Medically documentable. Medically noteworthy. documentable, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I was, I was going to say, do you think that 
charismatics would do a better job of showing more documentations for healings. Yeah, our friend Elijah has put a movie together called Send Proof that's okay. about if you had a miracle, send it in. Uh -huh. Some of the problems with these miracle testimonies mm -hmm. is uh, a lot of people don't have insurance. They don't have me medical documentation mm -hmm. that they had pain, that they were, you know, that they were hurt or injured to begin with. Mm. And then if they do have it, there's stories of people who, let's say, pulled out a kidney and got prayer and got a new kidney. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to a doctor who is going to say, well, that kidney's there. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going to happen with insurance? Mm -hmm. He's going to get malpractice. Doc mm. You know what I mean? Uh, there's some legality red tape. There's, some, there's yeah. some red tape to it. And I know that sounds like kind of a, a cop-out, but it's, it's really not. Mm -hmm. When you try to go and hunt down documentation where, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't have a tooth, I didn't have, you know, I had this piece of metal in my body, and then you go back to the doctor to get proof afterward, they're like, where did you get this taken out at? Yeah. Like, how, where did that their go? Their first yeah. assumption is that it was never there to start with. It was never there to begin yeah. with, and someone Same thing with cancer. Yeah. Cancer healing, same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... And, and that's not to say that we can't get proof, and there is an, an organization But called, there's a cost to these doctors willing to go... Is it GRMI, Global Research Medical Institute? We did an episode on it. Yeah, so if you just Google our, our episode on, um, is it Candy Brown and Josh Brown, um, you can find where they, they have a whole organization that's dedicated to taking in miracle testimony documentaries mm -hmm. and then reworking them. Also, if you want to find those documentations, you can check out Craig Keener's two volume works on miracles where he's gone through it's a ton of content. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Verifying and, yeah, miracles. And and the Reader's Digest version of that is called Miracles Today. It yep. was it won awards and mm. It'll have you weeping, and he's not yeah. some clown like this. Former oh, no. president of the Evangelical Theological yeah. Society, professor at Asbury, yeah. scholar Super of scholars. Yeah. yeah, and like, I think it's important to note that it sounds like what we're what we're all agreeing on is it's God that does the healing. Yep, that's right. And that we're not saying people have a healing gift. That's right. Right, because then if we were to steal man the other side, it would go well. If you have a healing gift, like. Why aren't you at the hospital? Hospital in the cancer kids, wing in the cancer wing yeah, right now that's healing, the healing every kids, time. right? Yeah, well, yeah. It's a, that, that's the same argument that we get posed to us. We did a whole video on this too. It's a short video. Mm -hmm. Why charismatics don't empty out hospitals? And that whole video is about, you know, Trophimus left Miletus in Miletus sick. Mm -hmm. You know, Epaphroditus was on his deathbed before God raised him up. Timothy mm -hmm. had to take some wine for his stomach. Right? Mm -hmm. Paul had some kind of infirmity when he went to speak at Galatians. Mm -hmm. It should have been a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. Yet the Galatians, you know, still received him. Mm -hmm. Galatians is pretty widely accepted as the first letter that Paul ever wrote. It probably predates Mark. Like, mm -hmm. probably. Okay. Like, it's an early, early writing. Mm -hmm. And he had some kind of infirmity there. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring that up is some cessationists will say, well, you know, Paul and the apostles had gifts at the beginning of their ministry, and then they begin to die out. Mm -hmm. But we have at the very beginning of Paul's ministry mm -hmm. an infirmity that he has, and at the very end of Paul's ministry mm -hmm. in Acts, he's healing a whole right. island yeah. at Malta. Well, yeah. And that's a classical example of a bad cessationist argument. That's right. That uh, for multiple reasons. Because, first of all, like in... Uh, what we called hermeneutics, the mm -hmm. way we interpret the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, the grammatical historical method, and uh, and understanding the author's intention and yep. so on. Like these are the kind of things we pay attention to when we're. But but this is actually to say they throw Paul's, the rules out. They throw the rules out for for arguing for cessationism because there's no way any author of scripture intended to teach. Well, I want my readers to know that Paul's miracle gift died out. Mm. We know that that can't be the case, first of all, um, because at the end of Paul's life in Acts 28, like mm -hmm. the end of the book of Acts, mm. Paul heals a whole island full of people. Yeah. So if their goal is to convince us that miracles died out yeah, or that Paul's argument. gift, it's yeah. just... So they throw they throw their uh, their methods out the window mm -hmm. when it comes to interpreting the gifts. Well, but to get to your earlier comment, the the way that cessationists tend to view the gift of healing 
is as though the person who prays for the sick has the power to determine the outcome. Mm-hmm. None of us would say that, but but if you want to hold to that kind of logic, then why not be more consistent with all the gifts? Mm-hmm. Well, the apostles don't have that gift. Yeah. That's a definition either. Yes. None of the apostles healed with that definition because there are people that I just mentioned, they couldn't heal. Yeah, including well, themselves. and if you want to, you want to take it the same same hold it consistently then do that with evangelism mm. do you get to determine when you evangelize mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the outcome will be that the person on the receiving end of the gospel mm-hmm. will get saved mm. right we don't know that That's but good. we know that evangelism is called a gift mm. a gift that we're all to participate in whether we have the gift or not yeah right yeah. and the outcome right. is not up to us well right so what you're touching on is there is some debate even within the charismatic community yeah about what what a gift of the spirit or what a gift of healing specifically mm-hmm. even is mm-hmm. right uh, and so some would call it that they're these are human classifications it's what we do in systematic theology we create systems and classify things yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the idea that maybe healing isn't a residential gift that for instance it doesn't reside in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe teaching is a residential gift. Like I can just oh, up okay. and teach on any occasion. But then God can just then God can just like visit, like be like, boom, you yeah. have a healing gift for this occasion. Huh. So that's one argument. Okay. Another argument is well, in First Corinthians twelve, he says a weird thing. He doesn't say the gift of healing. He says gifts of healings. Hmm. Both plural. And so they're both plural, hmm. which kind of invites us to, to think about why did oh, you make good. them both plural? Yeah. And so a lot of uh, charismatic scholars believe uh, that God gives certain gifts of healings for certain things. So not one person gets the clean out the hospital gift, mm-hmm. but like I'll tell you for me, I have over and over and over again seen God heal people of sleeping issues. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, not necessarily every time, mm-hmm. but it seems like every time I pray for somebody with sleeping issues, they mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. Whether that be terribly disruptive nightmares, whether that yeah. be sleep apnea, whatever it is. Yep. Um, Miller, I'm telling you, I've seen I've seen him. The Lord has used him so many times to heal. Do you realize flat how feet. many emails my church is going to get the moment you say this? <laughs> <laughs> flat feet. I mean, there was a guy named Gil Butler in my former church yeah. who uh, who Miller Miller was praying over him. And that, you know, people like, I just saw arches grow and people like going crazy. And I, I was kind of off talking to somebody and I hear all the commotion. And then, uh, Gil stands up a couple of weeks later and he said, I had to get all new shoes because mm. well, Cole, when we went to the conference, is it Cole Perkins? Yeah. You, you, you prayed for him and he had to go to the mall and get new shoes. So, uh, so that's another possibility. Yeah. And then the other you guys possibility know more about this than I do. <laughs> and then the other possibility is that the gift of healing is, say, like evangelism. It doesn't guarantee success every that's time good. you pray. Yeah, it's just a frequency. It right. It's just it's just more frequent than it is with others. Those are all good interpretive options. Yeah. And I'm not sure which, which one. I would probably land on the gifts of healings. Yes. Is my is my favorite, but they're see, all I, they're all good options that don't force us to go to why aren't you cleaning out a hospital I'd you go gotta to, see the comment up there oh Miller out out the from basement. the basement <laughs> that's yes. right basement boy shout <laughs> out to uh, Raider, Radar Apologetics Rabbi Eduardo's here yeah too. yeah yeah oh, awesome. uh, he's coming on the podcast I think yeah we got his email we're gonna oh, good. hook him up good uh, uh, Miller I would say that Miller operates in a gift of healing right um, that doesn't mean that I think he can heal every person but if I have a sick friend and I know that Miller's in the area like I'm gonna I'm gonna get Miller to pray for him. Now that, I know that may, may make you feel uncomfortable, but like it does, yeah. But but like you, you have friends like that, right? Like when sure, Ken's sure. in the area and you've got a sick friend that you've been praying for and you haven't seen breakthrough, yeah, like yeah. Ken, you know, like yeah. like there are we have these relationships where 
we're we're interdependent on the body and yeah. that's what the gifts are for. Yeah. And I think that when you begin to see people frequent traffic in gifts, if you will, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. start seeing them operate in those things, you, yeah. you lean on that. Well, it's, it's like, why not? Why not yeah. ask for your friends to, to pray, right? You see yeah. it in James, right? Yep. Where he says, hey, if you're sick, like, mm-hmm. have a, yeah, yeah. What, what do you guys make of, how do I say this? Preventative maintenance, right? <laughs> like, like we're eating well. Yeah, eating well, taking care of yourself, sleeping well, right? Those sorts. Did of I things. run every day? Yeah, yeah. I, I exercise regularly because I think sometimes, in some charismatic circles, how do I say this delicately? No, it's okay. It's you fine. Go you go for it. <laughs> yeah, people don't take care of themselves. They're, and they're quite they, annoying. Well, let, let's yeah. put it this yeah. way: like, they want God in to show American up circles, they, they want people like, don't take care of themselves. Yeah. They want like supernatural lipo, so they don't have to do exercise. Right? They're carrying more than the anointing. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're I'm just like it man, is the like, fatness <laughs> that breaks the yoke. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow, what? that might be. That was good. Had you went out and did your 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 ten to fifteen thousand steps every day? Yeah. You know, maybe sure we wouldn't be praying for this ailment. Now, obviously, it's different. And by the way, I appreciate all you guys being vulnerable, like talking about your wife. Sure, sure. Like, I think it's important to know that in your wife, you know, her mm-hmm. um, glaucoma and those things. I think it's good for folks to know that, like, we're not talking about rosy, peachy no. lives. But yeah, even yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think, is different than, like, the dude that has, like, high blood pressure because he's eaten, like, crap for 30 sure, years. Sure, sure, sure. And is like, God, heal me. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, I still think. I mean, I, God yes, does that. I think I, he yeah. can. He, he loves people, but it's like God can also heal you at a diet and a and a and a, well, and a, and he, a nutrition plan and, a, guy, and an exercise regimen. What does he say to the guy who who gets healed? He says, "Go and sin no more, lest something worse should happen to you." Oh, that's good. I mean, he's having mercy on a person, and it seems indicative that the sin that this guy committed got him in that condition, mm. right? And so, look, the the very God who paid for your sins is the same one healing your sins. Right. So, good. for instance, the Lord could heal an STD. Mm-hmm. Yes. That came about, say, because of someone's sinful life choice. But also, mm-hmm. don't be sleeping around. Right. We're but not also, yeah, 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 live a pure life. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yeah. Okay, cool. We don't got to go any deeper on that. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. good. Okay. Uh, let's move on to prophecy. Yeah. Okay. So, prophecy in the Old Testament seems as if it is speaking the actual words of God, right? And in the New Testament, we see prophecy, right? We see prophetic aspects all always happening but it seems like in certain charismatic circles uh we've like lowered the bar for prophecy like mm-hmm. prophecy has kind of became yep. like now we've got to open the bible ah, <laughs> yeah, like, we've got can, all the we got all the bible na- you can nail <laughs> it you can yeah. not nail it and and, and this yeah. specifically is from i think that it was the most egregious from the bethel crowd sure because the Bethel crowd... Uh, well, it was the most egregious because they were the most popular, not sure. because they were committing the most egregious misuse of it. Sure. There's, there's way well, worse. Yeah, maybe. But the, that, well, the Marcionites. Okay. The Trump prophecies were yeah, pretty bad. Rough. That mm-hmm. was bad. Yeah, like, yeah. And that, and that looked, made all of us look crazy. Right. Oh, yeah. You know? And so you see, um, you see folks, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, and, and, and to Chris's credit, he apologized. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. He, yeah. Good he, for took, him. he took ownership of it. Um, not everybody else did. Yeah, but it does seem like the bar was low. Like, it's all of a sudden like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. Like, New Testament prophets, like, it's okay if you get it wrong sometimes. Sure. And then all the way to the Bethel extreme of, like, everyone comes in, come in a room. Uh, the prophecy is, is reduced to encouragement. Yeah. If Jesus yeah. were to come in here, what words of encouragement yeah, would he speak have? What, speak what you imagine. Right. right? Yeah, like, right, speak right. whatever comes in your yeah. head. And that's not prophecy. That's right. You know? That's so right. h- help us navigate this conversation of, 
Old Testament prophet, New Testament okay. prophet. Where I do you want to go? Who wants to take what? Let me just say this. <laughs> my, 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 yeah, yeah. I know some things. My, <laughs> my, my, my full disclosure is like, I believe people can flow in the prophetic. Sure. One of my, a lot of my friends, I mean, they just, they're getting, they're reading people's mails. They know that, right? Sure. Like just certain things they would never know, right? Mm-hmm. Yet, I also uh, am not going to refer to anyone as like, Prophet Josh. No, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're all about. We're that. not gonna put the prophet before your yeah, name, yeah. right? So I wasn't like, graphic designer Josh when I was doing graphic right, design. Right, right. You know. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of view. Like I believe yeah. God does speak. I, I believe God speaks to me. Dreams, uh, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Is certain insight things that sure. like I'll get, but I would never be like I'm a prophet. But I do believe God can move in the prophetic today and now. Sure. Mm-hmm. So how how do you guys navigate this? So let me let me just frame this in, in the very beginning because uh, you 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 set it up as if there are two kind of positions. There is the cessationist position, which basically says if prophecy is still a thing today, it should look like the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then what has been the vast majority of the charismatic position, which says there's something that fundamentally changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament with the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. The three of us probably hold a very rare and unconventional position when okay. it comes to charismatic. So I just want people to know who's watching this now just to go, there are other people outside of this group right here that mm-hmm. would not hold our position. We believe that Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy are probably more uh, congruent and consistent than inconsistent. Okay. So in so the we, Old Testament... We call it the continuity view versus the continuity view. discontinuity view. The discontinuity view, which has been, which you just articulated, mm-hmm. is that there's some kind of fundamental shift between mm-hmm. Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wayne Grudem would have been a very popular voice who would have articulated that. I think that is a, a guy that we respect. We think that's a good biblical interpretation of the facts that's in front of him. However, when I approach the Old Testament, it appears... There, again, there's this assumption that the Old Testament, if you if you got a word, it was going to be confident, you knew it was going to be from God, infallible, no way of knowing if it was wrong or not. Mm-hmm. There's a passage in Jeremiah that Miller likes to quote, where Jeremiah goes and sells a field, and he has to go redeem it from his cousin, or buys yeah. a field. Jeremiah he, 32. Jeremiah 32, and he's like, hey, you know, can I buy this field from you? He says, the word of the Lord came to him, telling him to do this thing. His, his cousin says, yep, you can buy it. He redeems the land, mm-hmm. and then it says, and then... He knew it was the Lord. Mm. Jeremiah wasn't sure if it was the Lord mm. until he went and did that thing in the That's field. Good. That's good. And in Job uh, chapter 33, um, uh, El- Elihu, Elihu, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Anyway, he's one of Job's like friends that doesn't get, uh, doesn't get pr- uh, rebuked by God. He says, for God speaks in one way, in two, though man does not perceive it. Mm. So in Job, he is saying that God speaks in these kind of riddles and dark sayings, and, and we don't always understand exactly what's being said. Mm. The, the idea, though, is that, well, in the Old Testament, God spoke clearly. But in the Old Testament, when God speaks uh, in John 12, Jesus says, Lord, would you glorify your name? And, mm. and the Father speaks from heaven saying, I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. Mm. Some listening thought it thundered. Mm-hmm. Others listening heard the voice of God and mm. others thought it was an angel. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. So you have this group of people who are hearing the voice of God, yeah. which is definitionally prophetic. We're yeah. hearing God speak. Yep but they're misinterpreting what's happening. That's good. And and when we look at the New Testament and the Old mm-hmm. Testament, mm-hmm. we say that there is a revelation mm-hmm. coming to people. Yeah. There's an interpretation of that re- revelation, and mm-hmm. then there's some kind of application. That's good. In the same way that this is infallible, inerrant revelation, mm-hmm. we would say that any voice of God, speaking of God, is infallible, inerrant. However, we often misinterpret mm-hmm. this infallible revelation and we often misapply this infallible revelation. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the gift of prophecy, we can also say that though it is infallible and inerrant, 
um, our application and interpretation of that can still be jarring mm. and yeah. You all have Bible verses that you flipped uh, to, so I, sure. I'm going to put mine yeah. in well, and tag you guys so in. He, he just walked through a, a list of Old Testament verses uh, explaining how even under the Old Testament uh, time of history, mm-hmm. that it wasn't so like crystal clear sure. as many people make it out to be. Sure. You alluded to Numbers 12. Yep, where, is that the one you had? Where, no, but I'm just going to go ahead and mention it. Numbers yeah. 12, where... Moses spoke to God face to face, but the like normal everyday prophets hear God in riddles and mysteries and dark sayings. That's right. Um, so there was definitely a change from Old Covenant to New Covenant uh, that was prophesied in Joel chapter 2, fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we call that the democratization of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. in the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person for a period of time, usually a prophet or a priest or a king, mm-hmm. um, but often just a time. And uh, but in the new covenant, mm-hmm. we you know Acts two, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, mm-hmm. and they'll prophesy. Mm-hmm. So we believe anyone can prophesy on any occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean everybody has the gift of prophecy, mm-hmm. but he spells out your sons and your daughters, your old men, your young men, etc. Uh, this universalization mm-hmm. of the gift of prophecy, mm-hmm. and so they're be- definitely be- because of the indwelling of the because Holy of the Spirit. indwelling. So on we the, can on, all on hear Testament, God yeah. and speak uh, and, and speak and prophesy because yeah. it even uses dreams and visions in that context. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it gets a time frame in the last days, mm-hmm. which almost every scholar believes that in the last days speaks of the season between the first and second advent. Mm-hmm. So another continuationist ar- argument there, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we do believe there is a change from Old Covenant to New Covenant, but we disagree with what some say that change is. Mm-hmm. We say the change is how widespread the how widespread prophecy is. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely it's more widespread. It's definitely yep. increased. Mm-hmm. But we disagree that there was a change in in say like the a, nature of prophecy. The, the very nature of prophecy mm-hmm. itself mm-hmm. is though it had to always be right in the Old Covenant, mm-hmm. but. You know, in the New Covenant, it's pin the tail on the donkey. Hopefully you get it. And, and there's a difference in the New Testament Definitely don't say between that. prophecy in local churches mm-hmm. and Scripture in the same way that there was a difference in the Old Testament with just generic, the school of the prophets mm. and Scripture. Mm-hmm. Because in the Old Testament, there were multiple schools of the prophet with Samuel, with Elijah, with Elisha. Mm-hmm. There's these schools of prophets, but none of their writings are canonized. Mm-hmm. None of them are realized as the very word of God mm-hmm. for all God's people at all places and all times. Mm-hmm. And in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul says, um, if anyone thinks that they're spiritual, realize that the writings I'm giving, the instruction on prophecy that I'm giving, is the very word of God. Mm-hmm. If if you don't receive my words, you are not received. He takes his writings and mm-hmm. says they are scripture, mm-hmm. and, and those who are local prophets in the church submit their authority what to scripture. That? That's 1 Corinthians 14. Okay. I believe it's 37, 29, something like that. Mm-hmm. The two or three prophets 29. speak and let the other the pass, pass judgment. judgment. But that's 29. And then later, I think it's close to 37, where he says, the words I write to you are the very uh, words of God. Yeah, 37. Yeah. If, uh, if anyone is a prophet or thinks he is a prophet, let him acknowledge that what I say to you is the Lord's command. Yeah. So we take apostolic authority always trumps prophetic authority, and we have the command of the apostles uh, uh, preserved in the written word of God. So scripture always trumps prophecy. Uh, written revelation always trumps spontaneous revelation. I'm going to quote one more Old Testament passage. I'll save Deuteronomy for you since you're preaching sure, through no, it. Sure, it's fine. Because <laughs> um, Deuteronomy 18 is going to be a big one to go to. But uh, I'll give one more example from the Old Testament okay. of what looks like a missed prophecy. Uh, it's in Second Samuel chapter seven, where David wants to build a house for the Lord, mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and so David calls in his prophet, Nathan. Now, when a king calls in a prophet, it's not just like, hey, we're smoking cigars, shooting the breeze here. Mm-hmm. What do you think I should do here? No, if the king calls in his court prophet, mm-hmm. he is asking his court prophet to receive revelation and share that with him mm. because he's weighing the most important decision weighing on his heart mm-hmm. uh, for the kingdom of Israel. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I want to build a house for the Lord. Do I have permission to build a house for the Lord? Yeah. And his court prophet, Nathan, uses the name of the Lord. He says, Yahweh is with you. Mm-hmm. The Lord is with you. Go and do what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord appears to Nathan in a dream that night and says, uh, Nathan, buddy, uh, you're actually wrong. Mm. You shouldn't have told him that because it's actually not him supposed to build it. it becomes that famous prophecy that it's going to be your son mm-hmm. who comes after you. It turns out to be a prophecy about the coming of Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but your son Solomon is going to build this temple and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know you wanted to build my house. I'm going to build your house. That whole deal. Second mm-hmm. Samuel seven. Um, but the point is, at least as far as it pertains to prophecy, mm-hmm. is Nathan missed a prophecy, mm. and and God rebuked him, but he didn't say, uh, it, even rebuke might be a strong word, but like God corrects him. Yeah. Uh, but God doesn't say, you know what, Nathan, they need to take you out behind the woodshed and throw rocks at you. Mm. They don't say, he does, the Lord doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. He just says, go deliver them the right word. Mm. That's so, interesting. To so, clean up so, your prophetic mess. Yeah, so, no, that, that, that's good. But then the question goes, well, then how many missed prophecies until you're a false prophet. Yeah, so for us, yeah. for us, the New Testament tells us to weigh and judge everything. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, when one prophet speaks, the other is to weigh uh, and to judge what's being said. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 19 through 22, um, that we are not to despise prophecy, not to quench the spirit, mm-hmm. but to test everything, cling to what is good and reject what is evil. So um, if there is an individual that's out there and we're judging their words, and they miss it, and they miss it, and they miss it, and they miss it. We might decide, you know, that person's not gifted in this in this space. Yeah. Right. Um, for us in our local communities, um, we don't empower people to do stage ministry mm-hmm. until that gift has been vetted on the front end. Mm. So we don't just like let willy nilly people just jump up sure. and prophesy over the congregation, sure. right? Prof- so <laughs> so we we're waiting for this gift to be vetted and tested. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in other scenarios and situations in the same way that I wouldn't just toss some guy up there who goes, I want to speak this Sunday, not doing that. We're going to vet you in home group. We're going to vet you in Sunday school. We're going to give you some opportunities with the youth. And if you're able to like engage and communicate well and exegete the scripture well, then we're going to give you an opportunity maybe on the Lord's day. But, but that would look different in a different context. Yeah. And and really quickly, and then you get to speak. (laughs) Um, We we do this. We we chomp at the bit at this. I also want to say though, that, um, that, the words false prophet mm-hmm. don't speak of someone who has missed a prophecy. This is going to make some people angry. Okay. The word false prophet, if you do a search on this in the scripture, whether Old or New Testament, mm-hmm. that sort of language applies to somebody who has uh, introduced heresy, who's trying to lead God's people mm-hmm. away from Yahweh, mm-hmm. away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. False prophets are some be- some are people who are very clearly unbelievers. Yeah, compare it to false teacher. It's not someone who said well, something wrong. It's someone who's teaching false doctrine so and leading people astray. There's two two big passages of scripture that kind of address this. You've got Deuteronomy 13 and then Deuteronomy 18. Oftentimes, I think Deuteronomy 18 is being misapplied to prophets who get it wrong, mm. because it's not just talking about any kind of prophet. But before I dive into that, let me say 
Deuteronomy 13 spells out very clearly and explicitly Mm -hmm. what a false prophet in Israel would be. Mm. And if you think about Deuteronomy, it's a series of of sermons that were given to the people of Israel Mm -hmm. right before they're about to cross into the Promised Land. Mm -hmm. And so he's warning them. This Mm -hmm. is like the last things Moses gets to say to this group of people Mm -hmm. as they go on without him because he doesn't get to go. And so he's warning them, like, hey, look, there's going to come this point in time where false prophets are going to come up, and here's what they're going to do. He doesn't say that they're going to get words wrong. Mm -hmm. In fact, in Deuteronomy 13, he says just the opposite. They're going to perform signs and wonders. Mm -hmm. They're going to predict things that come to pass. And then when they do that, they'll say, let's go worship these gods, Mm. the gods of the Canaanites, Mm. gods you've not known. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is they're leading you away from the God who delivered them out of Egypt. Mm. Um, And the same thing would be true in the New Testament. You find these prophets, these false teachers, Mm -hmm. leading you away Mm -hmm. into heterodoxical uh, doctrines, mm-hmm. leading you into way, ways of uh, practices that are sinful. Right. Um, but you don't, you don't see that with any prophets in the Old Testament, being the, the word false prophet being applied to people who get it wrong, either in the Old or the New, they're applied to people who lead you away from Yahweh worship. Mm. So you think of uh, Hananiah. Jeremiah confronts him says, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. Mm-hmm. And what has he done? Well, you've caused this people to trust in a lie. Mm. So Israel, instead of repenting from worshiping the gods of the Canaanites, mm-hmm. Hananiah says, eh, you'll be fine. Mm. God's not going to judge you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Babylonians aren't going to come. Mm. You can just sit and be pretty. And, and that's when Jeremiah says, because of this, mm-hmm. your life is going to be taken from you. And sure enough, uh, Hananiah dies because of those things. Mm. And so then many people will still go to the Deuteronomy 18 passage and say, hey, what about Deuteronomy 18? It says they speak something and it doesn't come to pass. Mm-hmm. So what are we supposed to do with that right, one? Right, right, right. Um, well, the, the problem is they're, they're misapplying that passage, assuming that that, belong, that passage is referring to anybody that comes in the lineage of Moses to be the next prophet over Israel. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the context reads. When you read it right there at the beginning, it says in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 18... Uh, verse 17. It says, The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth. Now, all of this is reminiscent of what took place in Exodus 3. What, what, which chapter is that? 18, 13. Yeah. Deuteronomy 18. Yeah, Deuteronomy 18. 18, verse 17 is what I'm reading oh, from. 17. Okay. I didn't give all the context. I was trying to save a little time. Okay, hold on. Give me, let, me, let me just get on the screen for everybody. You said uh, verse 17. Yeah, I think he's on 18 now. Got a little highlight action there, doing your daily devos there. Yeah, yeah, we get a little inside. Let's go when we're not here. Okay, so this uh, 1817. Yeah, I'll give you some context. So the people of Israel just escaped from Egypt. They've just gotten away from uh, the uh, Egyptians who tried to re-enslave them. Uh, Yeah, I know. I'm looking at the passage (laughs) as well. Uh, So anyway, um, they say... You know, Moses goes up on the mountain. All yeah. of Israel is supposed to meet with God. Uh-huh. But when they meet with God, it terrifies them. They're uh-huh. like, we can't go up there. Yep. There's billing smoke. There's yep. earthquakes. Yep. There's lightning. Yep. Like, hey, Moses, we got this great idea. You just go up there and listen to God on our behalf. Mm-hmm. We'll stay back here. You mm-hmm. can come just tell us what he says. Mm-hmm. And so Moses, God even anticipates this. And so Moses is here in Deuteronomy 18 is reminding the Israelites, mm-hmm. well, really two generations ago, mm-hmm. the Israelites that met God at Horeb, and, he, and here's where he's picking up. He says, hey, what they say is good. I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I'll put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words 
that that prophet speaks in my name. So it seems like this prophet, if you don't listen to what he says, mm -hmm. take what he says at face value, uh, God himself is going to require, he's going to hold you accountable mm -hmm. to what this kind of prophet says. Mm -hmm. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, he is to put, be put to death. So again, you've got this false prophet, mm -hmm. speaks in the name of other gods, mm. uh, is to be put to death. Now you may say to yourselves, how can we know a message that has not been spoken by the Lord? Well, what if the prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord, this thing does not, and it doesn't come to pass or come true? That is a message which the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. Mm -hmm. So the outcome of a person who speaks presumptuously is, don't be afraid, mm -hmm. it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. God himself is going to hold them accountable, but th there's another key thing in this, mm -hmm. and it's right there at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. The prophet that's supposed to be raised up is going to be like Moses. Mm. Uh, Michael already quoted a passage out, I think it was Numbers 12, I mm -hmm. believe. Mm -hmm. uh, Moses spoke to spoke God, to God to face to face. To face. Mm -hmm. Not so with any other prophets. With him, he speaks in dreams, mm. riddles, dark mm -hmm. sayings. Um, it's a yet, species unique prophet. Yeah, so he's unique in this sense. But he's also, in this passage, he's prophesying about a prophet who's going to come, who's going to be like Moses. Mm -hmm one who speaks with God face to face. Mm. Also some interesting wordplay that's taking place in Exodus 3 when Moses gets called to begin with. Moses is as God to Aaron. Mm -hmm. Aaron gets to be the mouthpiece mm -hmm. because Moses is saying, hey, look, I'm like a, a, I'm a stuttering kid. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. um, and so next thing you know, uh, John the Baptist shows up on the scene next, several hundred years later, not next thing you know, but yeah. John the Baptist shows up in the scene and they're going to, the people that are questioning who John the Baptist is, they're going to refer to this passage. Mm. They're saying, you know, hey, are you the Messiah? And he's like, I'm not the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So then they ask him the next question, are you the prophet? Mm. Well, who's this prophet they're talking about? Right. Okay, well, they're clearly expecting some sort of prophet to come who's unique. It's like Moses bringing a new covenant. Yes, right. Like yeah. Moses, this prophet is is the one that is has been foretold in Deuteronomy 18. Mm. This is the right. one they're waiting on. Now, I've heard other uh, scholars kind of rebut me on this and say, well, no, no, this is clearly referring to a series of prophets that are going to come after Moses. Mm -hmm. But actually, at the very end of Deuteronomy, he puts the cap on it, just to make it very clear mm -hmm. that there is no other prophet like Moses with the very next prophet who's in line, Joshua. So if you got Deuteronomy 34, you go to verse 9, he says... Get this on the screen. Hold on. Sure. Deuteronomy. The magic of post-edits. Right, right. Verse, you said verse nine. Verse nine. You're re he's reading out of the NIV, guys. By the way, I got both. I got the NASB and the NIV on here, so we'll read along. Right sure. To our right it says now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So this is the next prophet in the lineage of Moses, mm -hmm. and yet it says so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. So who is the prophet that's like Moses? Well, we the one who would know God face to face. Mm -hmm. yeah. Guess what? The next prophet in the lineage of Moses wasn't that prophet. Mm. Joshua was the next guy in line, and he wasn't like Moses in that way. But who does fulfill that? Mm. Jesus, Acts Jesus. 3. Yeah. I think it's verse 22. Yep. Um, that Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Peter's preaching, and he goes to Deuteronomy 18, quotes it to say, Jesus fulfilled this passage. Mm. So our point is, Deuteronomy 18, the contextual thrust is, he's talking about a messianic pretender. Mm. He's saying there's going to be somebody who comes, Claim uh, the Messiah. A, a like Moses person, but, but don't be deceived by these pretenders. Mm -hmm. don't, yeah. be, don't be deceived, 
deceived by these false messiahs, false capital P prophets. And there, there are a couple of things that you, you've asked just a moment ago because you, you, you open this big can of worms. Okay, you know, uh, <laughs> big you, theological yeah, debate. But, really yeah, is. but by like asking it, the like question, it. like even like, within, what about these guys who keep getting it wrong? Yeah. So here's a couple of things that we would tell people if you're watching right now, and you're really into like this, this prophetic ministry, and they're not plugged into a local church. Mm-hmm. Run. Yeah. Run. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. The, the gift of the Spirit are for the edification of the church. That's right. And if they're not submitted to a local house with elders who are overseeing their souls, and they're not submitted to biblical church polity, and they're just like, you know, frankly, I'm just going to say it, like you can pull this out and post if you want to, the Elijah List group, just run. Like don't 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 waste your time there. You don't you don't need to be listening to these guys. There's just there there's no con- they're perfectly fine giving prophetic words that don't come to pass, and there's no accountability, there's no follow-up, there's no, there's no apology. Giving words that are so vague that the Barna effect takes place. Correct. Yeah. Everybody feels yeah. like it applies to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so there are... That, that, that's very annoying, by the way. There's oh, it's super There's going to be some buying and selling. The vagueness is There's going to be some buying and selling. Some people are going to die. Some others are going to live. Like, I've literally heard those yeah. words. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. the, 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 the transfer of wealth, that's that's always a prophecy that happens every year. But... So yeah. we would say, one, don't listen to folks who are recycling prophetic words. Two, don't listen to folks that are giving vague words that you want to be true. Mm. Right? Three, if they're not plugged into a local church. Watch out for the Jewish calendar you know, stuff. Jewish calendar stuff, not as it relates to fulfillment of like like calendar feasts and stuff like that. I've, yeah. I've kind of gotten in trouble for saying don't listen to any of the Jewish stuff. But like the 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 Jewish roots guys who are like, it's your 5772 and these numbers mean that. Yeah. Like that's like a Jewish horoscope. Like you don't need, sure. don't do yeah. that. The, the, you talk about the Bible number. The, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, But yeah. they do the Each same year. thing with the Gregorian calendar when they were like, yeah, the yeah. year 2020 is going to be the year of clear vision. Right. And they're yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. 2020. I'm like, eh. You guys all missed it. Yeah. 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 Nobody yeah. saw it's COVID like nobody, yeah. The year of clear vision. Yeah. yeah. The year. That's good. Well, but going into 2020, we did that big video on the Trump eight prophecies. Hours. It was, yeah. we did an eight hour marathon yeah. on, on the Trump. All, all the Trump prophecies? Uh, yeah. The big it, ones. it was actually, yeah. it was, we we reviewed the prophecies about 2020 before uh-huh. 2020 was quite complete. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we just said, okay, let's see how these were fulfilled. And we just walked through it, it was anyone, depressing. It was like 99%. COVID? No. Not that we know of. Uh, the <laughs> well, closest would be I, Saldivar. Isaiah Saldivar. Potentially. Prophesied. Uh, I don't know. I never saw the video yeah. of him so, mentioning a plague. So so this is what happened. Um, I, I got a clip, and I kept asking the person who sent me the clip, show me the full material. Because I saw people would send yeah, me take it out of context. Of like we don't know Chuck for sure. Pierce. Yeah. Chuck Pierce, hey, look at these prophetic words that Chuck gave. And like, look... He's definitely predicting COVID. If yeah, you but take they're piecemealing, and it's not. But the if case. you listen to the whole thing, he missed thirty things and got one thing right. That's yeah. not prophecy, yeah. right? So, so I wanted the source material. I didn't find it from Isaiah. He didn't. I wasn't in contact with him at the time. I didn't ask him directly for it. But this person who sent me the link uh, later have looked at it, and he, he gave a word that you know God's going to use twenty twenty to be online ministry. Mm. He's going to shut down. I think he, he predicted that the churches were going to shut down somehow, and they're going to meet. There's going to be a lot of uh, in, in meeting and living rooms. Interesting. That was the big word, and like. That seems pretty darn close. Yeah, it does. And the yeah. next year, I felt like he felt pressure to give a word, and I felt like that was way more vague. And we actually interviewed him on that after we responded. Like, that seems kind of yeah. vague, dude. Yeah. So what's that? Salvador? You interviewed Salvador? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but been on thing, responding. I, I think what dude. I would want to see for these, quote, national prophets, prophets that are rising up every year, first of all, I would just caution our people against any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying God can't do it. Yeah. What I am saying is, 99.9% of those who I've seen doing it, yeah. doing it do it in a bad way. Yeah. There's and, no accountability. And there's for no it. accountability and yeah. they're con- they're just consistently wrong. Yeah. 
So I would say don't put any stock in those things. But I don't want to discount its possibility because in Acts 11, yep. Agabus pr predicts a famine that would come over the entire Roman world, mm -hmm. and the church but, reacts and uh, responds and stores up food and all that. So like, God can give those kind of words. But we're talking about Agabus. This dude had a track record. With the apostles. Right, with the apostles. And I mean, he Acts part 21, of the he shows up again, right. and, uh, and he has an accurate prediction about what's going to happen to Paul. And uh, some debate on that, but it was accurate. Anyway, so Agabus was like, he he was a real prophet of the Lord. So I don't want to discount that it can happen, but I would what I would want to see is uh, just like just like we do with anything. Like, I don't just put anyone in my pulpit. Like, yeah. I want to, can you lead a Bible study? Sure, sure. Can you preach at a youth group? Yep, yep, can yep, you, like, yep, you know, we do that, right? Well, in the same way, when it comes to prophecy, I would like to see, is your gift flourishing in the local church? Uh, is it... Is it flourishing even on a more public level? Mm -hmm. Like, are you giving, say, stage prophecies that are accurate? And, and are you submitted to the elders? And then, like, once that's been proven, then maybe to a national stage. Yeah. But all of us are so prophesying regularly in public settings. But, I mean, God would have to speak real yeah. clearly yeah. Uh, for me to... I mean, I've, I've actually had what I believe to be some pretty strong prophetic revelation about some things that are going to happen to our nation yeah. in our nation. And I haven't said them because I just haven't felt to release, but I just, it's terrifying I, too. what I would like to see is that these so-called prophets just keep their mouths shut about what's going to happen in the nation unless they start to develop that kind of track record. So is it fair to say when Dr. Michael Brown said that there was a mass delusion and deception that happened in 2020 in, a, in, the, in the prophetic community is that is that an accurate statement or are these guys just always wrong? <laughs> well, I just I, th I think I think there is a history there of being a very low bar on the YouTube prophecy channel. Uh -huh. So I'm just saying that the the low bar is anybody can do it. Yep. Yep. You yep, just yep. shout some things out there and you can get a YouTube yep. following yeah. regarding prophecy. Yeah. And the instead of raising the bar, which yeah. means you're submitted in a local body, sure. you have a track record of accuracy on a local level, uh, and then you're, you're actually submitted to another. Though. It really could I, Well, be. I think there could be, but my point in saying this is I don't think it just started in 2020. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it had been built up over the years of these people having these international platforms, mm -hmm. and then 2020 happened. Yeah. Dude, I agree. Them. I'll tell you what I think's happened. Uh, I would agree with them. I think it was a First Kings 22, I think is the chapter, mm -hmm. where uh, a lying spirit was put into the mouths of the prophets. Yep. And, uh, and it was been a, there for a while. It was a judgment. <laughs> it was a judgment of the Lord. I yeah. think so. And I wow. think that's what happened, because what I have seen is that the prosperity gospel mm -hmm. has been mixed with national prophecies. Mm. Absolutely. So this transfer of wealth is coming, and that's these good. people are going to be oh, getting yeah. rich. And I think the Lord despises it. That's good. And, and so I think he put a lying spirit into the mouths of the prophets. Wow. And then I think a lot, I'm not saying that every single person who prophesied Trump had a, I'm not, I, I couldn't go there. But I'm saying at least with a broad brush stroke, yeah. a yeah. lot of people were operating in, under and, a lying and, spirit. And kudos to the ones who actually said, I was dead wrong. Yep. And I stepped into some things I shouldn't have. Yep. I felt pressure. And here's why I did this. Right. Yeah. That's okay. called repentance. Yeah. That that's is, good. And it, and it should be a really big repentance. Like yeah. what Jeremiah Johnson did. Like he stepped back from ministry for a while. Yeah. To predict something nationally that people are banking on yeah. and miss it now, my, my question, is a huge deal. My question is, if Trump gets reelected in 2024, are these guys going to pop nah, in and be like, sorry, guys, I Told got the you. prophecy oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to move the ball. They'll, <laughs> they'll do it. It's, yeah. They would do it. Yeah. They'll, they'll I got the prophecy right, just the timing was but, wrong. But I, here's the thing, though, like with <laughs> Micah 3, I think still holds up to this. We've had a conversation about Micah 3. I, I'm, I'm kind of dying on this hill. 
I don't think the prophets are preaching repentance. And I think that's mm. one of the reasons that, again, we create this opportunity. In Micah 3, there's these false prophets that are sitting in the court, and they're saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Mm-hmm. And then Micah goes, but the Spirit of the Lord is upon me yeah. and empowers me to preach yep. because I am able to proclaim to Jacob his transgression and to Israel their sin. Mm-hmm. Like I am, pro- I am proclaiming yeah. to them to get back to the covenant, to repent that, of that sin. That is a consistent marker of a false prophet mm-hmm. is that they don't preach repentance. So take Jeremiah chapter 7. Yep. The prophets are saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. They say it three times. Yep. And it's their way of saying, because we have the temple, we're invincible. Yep. And so the marker of the false prophet is, hey, because uh, for whatever reason, like basically... I am immune against any kind of divine discipline. Mm-hmm. I don't even need to repent. I can just, I, I'm just going to be blessed. And yep. that's the kind of blessing that's being pronounced over people. Yep. And and it becomes a Christian horoscope. And I think it's yeah. it's Second. an that's abomination. Good. All right. Yeah. I want to I want to talk to you guys about tongues. And this is probably the most polarizing one that I want to talk to you guys about. Sure. Um, Certainly the weirdest. Tongues. Definitely the weirdest. Now, here's, I think before we launch into tongues, here's the foundational question, right? What I see folks who are super duper 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 pro tongues as they always go to Mark and those last eight verses. The ones that verses. aren't in the original manuscripts. Right. Yeah. And so the the it's not it's almost sounds like it's coming down to like which manuscripts are we trusting, right? Sure. Especially if you're a charismatic or Pentecostal and you're KJV only. Sure. Right. And versus like if you're looking at the later um uh, the earlier manuscripts that were discovered later. Correct. Uh, you're looking at marking like, ah, that probably wasn't in there. It sounds like it's more of a description post-Acts being written, right? Mm-hmm. So I think foundationally is the end of Mark says, and everyone who gets saved basically will cast out demons, speak in tongues, and then like handle serpents. <laughs> like <laughs> handle drink dangerous, poison. And drink stuff. poison. Yeah, like yeah. what? So Let's just start there. What do you guys think about those last couple of verses? I say, Mark? stay away from the snakes. Okay, stay for away the from time the snakes. Being. Yeah. All right, respect. for the time being. <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah. Probably I mean, the probably position. the scholarly consensus is that 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 was not part of the original text. I think if we were to be real consistent, mm-hmm. uh, we would need to do the same thing with the portion of John eight where yeah. the woman, uh, uh, yeah, let him who is without stone cast or without sin. Right, because that's not in the, early the first stone. Yeah, yeah. So that's the same. But I will say this, that even, even if it is later, and mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really, really knows, mm-hmm. but even if it is later, first mm-hmm. of all, we don't need it to defend the gift of right. tongues. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not necessary. Sure. Um, and second of all, if it's later, it at least gives you a glimpse into early church life. Mm. And what that would show is that, you know what, that might actually be a stronger case for tongues, even if it's later, because tongues continued uh, Did die out after uh, the last of the apostles. Yeah, it, tongues continued. Oh, I see. Yeah, after the book of Mark was written. Now, some cessation would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't mind tongues continuing for a few decades, mm-hmm. uh, and then the debate goes on. But I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into early church life, mm. and we do have record of the gift of tongues persisting. Uh, in Sam Storm's book, Heavenly Languages, mm-hmm. he talks about the history of the book of tongues continuing. All throughout church history, it's quite fascinating. The Quotes gift all... of tongues, not the book of tongues, just to be clear. Did I say book of yeah, tongues? Yeah, you did, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that would be quite an interesting... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, you're going to have whole, some people accusing the you whole of book, Gnosticism and... The and whole book is wish. just gibberish? I have no, like, no clue. <laughs> Do we have an interpreter? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but definitely Storm's book, Heavenly Languages, is, yeah. is a worthy read. Okay. Very so it's not, it sounds like we would agree that that's probably not in the early manuscripts. Probably not. Much like the story of the woman caught in adultery. Yep, sure. Probably not in the early manuscripts. 
Um, it's not unbiblical. Neither not, story uh, is, you know, undermining the witness of Scripture. It's okay. not. It's not unbiblical in its uh, application. It's probably just kind of a rearticulation that's added onto Mark mm-hmm. because Mark is kind of like the gone with the wind of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's like really emo and it ends like super depressing. Mm. And someone's like, ooh, let's let's liven this up a little bit. <laughs> Such a random analogy. Yeah. 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 Where did that come though. from? I'll tell you <laughs> what, that's a good analogy. Though. It is. So then, does every believer have to speak in tongues? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, it literally says, do all speak in tongues, are all apostles? And the rhetorical wait, wait, questions wait, 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 are... We're looking at descriptive pack- passages first, right? Because that's sure, the, sure. Ar- the yeah, argument yeah, yeah. is from yeah, yeah. the descriptive passages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you keep seeing people get saved, baptized, speaking in tongues. That's right. Baptized, speaking in tongues, and acts. And that's the argument from the super duper 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 pro Right, so people. I mean, you can make the argument that blind people get healed through throwing mud in their eyes. If mm-hmm. you're going to take descriptive passages and make them sure. the authority definitive, of, of, yeah. of definitive Then every blind person should have mud applied to their eyes. eyes. Right, because mm-hmm. what we would take the approach I that spit a prescriptive on people's text and probably takes authority over the descriptive yeah. words. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've heard you, it. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 we know, we know. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, you, but you're, to your point, arguing from the book of Acts... You could make a decent case yeah. that every believer can speak in tongues. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not what we believe, nope. based especially on First Corinthians twelve, which we'll get to later, and we'll let you drive. Yeah. But uh, but based on Acts, I think what Luke is trying to achieve in the Book of Acts is uh-huh. he's showing, uh, first of all, just in the way the story is told, that every nation under heaven is uh-huh. gathered, and all of this, and then everybody's speaking in tongues in Acts two when the when the Spirit falls. Uh-huh. He's portraying this, and scholars pretty much universally agree. agree on this. Yeah. That he's portraying uh, Pentecost as a reversal of the Tower of Babel, right, right. where there was a judgment associated with tongues. Yep. Now there's a, a fresh grace associated mm-hmm. with tongues. Yeah. Is now the gospel is going out to all the nations, which yeah. were actually created from the Tower of That's Babel. Right. That's right. And so he, and so in portraying it in this way, he's showing the way the gospel is spreading out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this sort of gradual undoing of the judgment that occurred at Babel. So I, I think that's what's occurring yep, there. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you broke down passage by passage, uh, you know, Acts 8, it doesn't, mi- when the Samaritans receive the gospel, it doesn't mention that they spoke in tongues, although they probably did. Something they clearly happened. It. Something yeah, clearly sure. happened. Yeah, you, you wouldn't and, be trying to buy but, that power. Right. But like we're all 3,000 on in Acts chapter 2 speaking in tongues. It doesn't say that. It only says that the 120 spoke in tongues. It says that if they repent and are baptized, they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is its own challenge of a mm-hmm. passage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't say they spoke in tongues. So I think it's saying too much, is my point, to say every single person, every single time spoke in tongues. And, and not only that, we would utterly universally deny and call heresy that you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved. We would all say yeah. no, 100% no. Okay. So there's, there's, a, there's another position that's way more popular that isn't heresy, mm-hmm. which is if you are a believer— you can speak in tongues, mm-hmm. right? You just need to receive some kind of second blessing. That's not heresy. We mm-hmm. all think that's wrong. Yeah, but we that don't. would be the is that would be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can be a yeah. Believer. That's what second blessing say. theology. That's what AG. people would say. Yeah, that would be sec- that's the difference between like uh, the oneness Pentecostals who say you have to be in, speak sure. in tongues to, to be saved. Sure, that's, that that would be a heretical group. Yeah. and then like the assemblies of God and classical Pentecostals yep. who would say that the baptism of the Spirit, a second blessing, mm-hmm. is necessary after salvation, mm-hmm. and that is evidenced through tongue speech. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. the tradition I came out of that Got I'm no longer in. Got it. But but still have yeah. mad respect for those folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. would call them Orthodox brothers. We would disagree. We, but just we like disagree them. on that. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, okay. the other thing I would say, just really quick, fastest is, growing movement in the world too. Yeah, mm-hmm. is that even if it was true mm-hmm. that everyone in Acts, like let's just grant it, like even the 3,000, like everyone spoke in tongues, yep. 
Like, let's just grant that maybe that was true. I don't think it was, but let's grant it. Mm-hmm. Um, it still wouldn't show that every believer is called to have the gift of speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Because anyone can do, we can we can practice any of the gifts of the Spirit, just mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. maybe maybe all, on any occasion. Mm-hmm. Like, encouragement is a spiritual gift. Well, yep. we should all encourage each other. Yep. Giving is a spiritual gift. We should all give. Yep. Evangelism, well, you, you can do that with all the gifts. So God, on any occasion, like, to make a point, could have been like, I'm going to just rain down, get to tongues here in this early church history. Why? So that they can track the movement of the gift of the Holy Spirit from one people group to another. But then what is it going to look like in local congregations in tens, hundreds, thousands of years? That's a different question. Sure, sure. So Acts, are they speaking languages that other people could hear that they couldn't speak, right? And then it's the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Or are they speaking what sounds like gibberish, but is really a private prayer language to God? You know, what you're That's describing. a difficult thing to answer. I mean, to tell me the difference between... I mean, if, there are certain African languages mm-hmm. that you would think are gibberish when you heard them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what happens is the word gibberish is often being applied to a language from those who are already skeptical mm-hmm. that it's that there's anything supernatural or God-related to yep. begin with. Yep. Um, but go ahead. No, Josh, I was going to say that. What you just described is xenolalia and glossolalia. Mm-hmm. Xenolalia being known human language. These are imports, by the way. Imported terms. Gibberish mm-hmm. speech. Mm-hmm. I think I think it, anything without an interpretation sounds like gibberish. I think that's accurate. Um, but I do believe that what well, is you being wouldn't say spoken, that about me. When I speak in tongues, most people go, yeah, yeah. "That's a language." Yeah. They don't question it because it sounds like something they've heard before. Right. And I that's only, the only reason. I only mean to say that, like. If you had never heard a language, it mm-hmm. would sound like gibberish. It's all Greek to me, we say. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what right. that means. Which is Paul's exact point in 1 yeah. Corinthians 14. Okay. But we would also all say that speaking in tongues is always a language. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. never gibberish. No it's never gibberish in the sense mm-hmm. that it's not a language. Well, it's only gibberish to you. To be fair, some of the hyper charismatic folks have literally said, like okay, so I had an encounter where something separate. I'm not. I'm just not theological argument, but something sure, separate sure. happened after, and then I spoke in tongues. Sure, years that, that after happened to salvation, me too. right? Yeah. Now, that was like a supernatural moment. I've spoken to other further like oneness Pentecostals, and they would just say, "Well, then just start making sounds." Sure. No, 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 mm-hmm. I'll do it again. Yeah, no, I've heard that. But yeah, just yeah. start. So, so there is a component of like just start mumbling. And well, there doing are people sounds. that would encourage you to speak gibberish, and they would call it right. tongues. Right. And we would say that there is no such thing as a gift of tongues that purely is gibberish and right. nonsensical to all existence. Yes. We would okay. say that there's. It is a language. It is understandable to uh-huh. those who would know that language. Yes. But okay. we would also say that the spirit is praying to the Father. Right. So the spirit is praying when we're speaking in tongues. No one knows. What is being said yep. except for God is what First yep. Corinthians fourteen tells us. Yep. So if if we are speaking in a tongue that only God understands, that that may mean that it's a known human language. Yep. It may, and again, this is an odd thought. I'm not saying that this is what the text of Scripture is saying, mm-hmm. but like, you know, Attila the Hun like wiped out a bunch of people. Like, what mm-hmm. if one of the languages that's being spoken is some you know people group that we've never heard worship mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. in? their native tongue, and yep. the way that God is choosing to be worshipped and prayed to is through some tongue that has never been spoken mm-hmm. for a hundred years or a thousand years. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with God using languages that have, have existed using dead throughout languages. time, dead languages. Mm-hmm. I mean, we needed the Rosetta Stone to figure out, you know, various languages, and sure. it would just look like gibberish to us, sure. scratches on a page, sure. until we had some kind of interpretive key. So, again, I, I think 
if if we're speaking in a language that only God comprehends, could it be a spiritual language? Could it be a dead language? It would sound like gibberish to the audience. Yeah. I don't think we have a definitive answer. I mean, there scripture. are like, if you read like stories of exorcists, people casting out demons, like there yeah. are quite a few stories of demons being cast out and the person is speaking in demonic tongues of mm. Latin mm. Yeah, that they can actually could, translate. But that's a an example of a dead language stories. goes the other way. <laughs> yeah, I've got a story of I was in South Africa and I was casting out a demon and uh, I spoke in tongues and I don't know what prompted me to answer the question. The, the demon had kept saying from from the mouth of this person, uh, give me something to eat. Mm. It, it was just weird. Like it was being childish and mm-hmm. distracting and all of that. And so I spoke in tongues and I go, do you know what I just said to you? Mm-hmm. And the lady demon through the lady turned to me and says, yeah, I know what you said. You said you'll give me something to eat when I leave. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was weird. And I, I don't know what prompted <laughs> me to do that to begin yeah. with. And and the, the fact is the lady did get free. <laughs> you know, Michael, just cracking his weirdest story. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Miller, this was all going really well till, <laughs> yeah, till that yeah, last yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> give me something to eat. Quick, make all a right. clip of this. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So, in... It's a cessationist circles. They would say tongues is just a language that only they could understand sure. at the time. Uh, and it's the, what is it, Glossia? Glossia. Xenolalia is the known human language. Uh-huh. So that's, if if uh, if Peter get up on the day of Pentecost mm-hmm. and he was speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. it would have been Mesopotamian, mm-hmm. some kind of dialect or some kind of Cretan dialect or some kind of... The fact is know, the Greek word being used, though, is not xenolalia. It's glossolalia. That's right. Mm-hmm. just means language or tongue. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the thing that I always thought was interesting is that folks who speak out against tongues ignore that there's a clear distinguishment, even if let's just say there, there's languages sure. and then there's praying in tongues, right? Right. That there's definitely a praying in tongues aspect in 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah, that is That is not just we're speaking, spirit descends. All of a sudden, these guys over here that only speak Greek could understand the Aramaics and right, the Aramaics, right, right. right? That there's a clear distinction. I think it's First Corinthians, uh, fourteen, yep. f- uh, four, uh, fourteen, fourteen, right? Uh, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is an unproductive. So mm-hmm. there is a praying that's happening in a tongue. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is not just. It's not comprehended by their mind. It's not comprehended by their mind, and and. It, your mind is unproductive yep. so that you're you're communicating with God, mm-hmm. right, in, in a different way. Um, so you, you, you had a verse. Oh, yeah, and I was going to look at verse 2 where it says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, mm-hmm. for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that that seems to be saying, I mean, first of all, it's saying that you can pray in a tongue. Mm-hmm. So it's agreeing with verse, I guess it was 14 that right. you just pulled up. Yep. Um, second of all, it communicates that it's mysteries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the spirit that you're communicating. Yeah. So I personally, I don't have a problem with um, we could be speaking, the the notion that we could be speaking angelic tongues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and, no, and I think, yeah. Yeah, and I think 1 Corinthians 13, when he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or mm-hmm. of angels, mm-hmm. but have not love. Um, now... I wouldn't call 1 Corinthians 13 a like nail in the coffin kind of argument mm-hmm. um, because he he can just be like using flowery language. Sure. But he it is in a section that, first of all, between chapters 12 and 14, where the whole subject matter is spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. chapter 13, he continues talking about spiritual gifts, but mm-hmm. just tries to elevate love as like the real purpose, mm-hmm. which is why we define a spiritual gift as empowered love. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's talking about spiritual gifts. So it actually would make sense for him to talk about various expressions of those gifts. Yes. So I I think that it's very possible that yeah. there are angelic tongues that we can pray in mm-hmm. uh, to the Lord, yeah. and then it edifies our spirit. Now, and, well, okay. those who are gifted can pray in. Not all of us right. pray in an angelic tongue just because we at will. You, it's, you ma- it's gifted by God. You made a distinction a moment ago about like speaking in tongues versus praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. We we would believe I think the three of us have agreement on this I, I think I don't know do um, uh, is that that there is one gift of tongues that operates in yeah different we don't ways. take the Jack Hayford position which was popularized mostly yes. that's what Pentecost uh, AG and Correct. others would would hold on to today mm-hmm. right yeah. uh, Jack Hayford did, wrote a book on praying in tongues and he would say that there's a difference between having a gift of tongues mm-hmm. and a prayer language. Sure, 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 sure. A and public we would say, and a private use. Yeah, he, a public say, and a private use. You say use. they're one and the same. One gift. Yeah, I think it's one gift Different that you can do many things with. Okay. So yeah. like, I can I can pray in English, mm-hmm. I can sing in English, mm-hmm. I can teach in English, mm-hmm. I can prophesy in English. Mm-hmm. I can do all of those things with mm-hmm. the English language. Mm-hmm. The same way when you have a gift of tongues, mm-hmm. and you, would, you wouldn't know what you're doing unless you have somebody to interpret, right. but you can pray in that that yep. language yep. you yeah. can uh prophesy in that language sure. um and there's another you can give words of knowledge in that language and that's yep. in accordance to first corinthians 14 i think mm-hmm. verse 6 if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah if there's an interpreter yeah if there's an interpreter what, what will it profit you unless i speak to you by way of revelation uh prophecy knowledge or teaching mm-hmm. yeah but i would say i don't hate jack hayford's teaching on that no <laughs> I, I, no, no right i like, disagree I would, with it i would disagree I, with it yeah. But like here, so we had Jackie Pullinger, this She's missionary. She wrote um, Chasing I mean, the amazing. Dragon, yeah. phenomenal biography of just the way God has used her. So we had her on our show. You guys should I mean, check talk it out. About faith it it will God. really encourage it is something you. Else. Just this young, pretty British woman who hopped on the slow boat to China and just got off in Hong Kong and it's has been, the been there for decades, there. just laying her life down uh, and and getting drug addicts off of drugs mm-hmm. and. Like, you know what her tactic is for getting drug addicts off of drugs? Like, she, this is not somebody who's been, like, trained in clinic, and how do you do, like, what are the steps of recovery, and all, like, she wasn't trained in any of all, any of that. She's, she just, she would just get them speaking in tongues. She'd just pray over them to receive the gift of tongues. They would receive tongues, and she, she was hesitant to give us a number, but close to 100% of, of people who were on heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. The, these people who who no, in, under normal circumstances would have insane withdrawals, that w- if they would pray in tongues, they would have no withdrawal. Mm. Something like a hundred percent. Interesting. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Now, and the communist government would bring her addicts, yeah, mm. because of her success. Is rates. it China? You said, yeah, right. Yeah, so for city. one, inside the walled city. Yeah, wow. so this is so like the worst a, of the worst right. areas. So on a practical level, mm-hmm. it does kind of strengthen the case of. You know what? Tongues actually does edify your spirit. Sure. It makes sense sure. that the spirit would help you get off of heroin. Yeah. yeah That's absolutely. the kind of thing sure. the spirit would yeah. be interested in. Now, when, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, but she holds to Hayford's view okay. that anyone, yeah. any believer can speak in tongues. Yeah. And yeah. and so I would just say, I don't hate the view. Mm-hmm. It's not my view. Mm-hmm. And I would say that if you're a believer and you want the gift of tongues, you should really, really pray for it absolutely. and not give up on it. Yeah. And not it's a think, good gift. Yeah, and not think, well, if I'm going to get the gift of tongues, then God's just going to have to zap me while I'm like walking down, you know, the street someday. Yeah. Like, really go after it, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it really will edify your spirit. Like, a, a, so I think I can affirm. When, when her you say experience. go after it, you should specify because people don't know what that means. They're, yeah. they're not going to know what going after it looks like. Uh, I would say pray over it and get people praying over you to receive it. And uh, and on the second one, I believe that impartation is a thing. Paul talks to Timothy about. 
the spiritual gift which is in you through the laying on of hands. Okay, so or Romans, I will long to be with you, so I can impart some spiritual gift. That's yeah. right, Romans chapter yeah. one. So we see that impartation is a real thing. So, yep. uh, so I've I've per, I pursued the gift of tongues, and gradually one day I got it. Yeah, I funny, I I didn't pursue it at all, and I got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah. Uh, the lady, this lady was like, hey, have you ever? spoken in tongues and i was like no like what is that back so, up off this <laughs> and so she was like well <laughs> what you know, are you doing stand up we're gonna do this now and then she laid hands on me fell out and then she put her her do you have no context for what tongues was i had a little bit of context i knew they okay. were way more charismatic than i was yeah, yeah, yeah. but i had never spoken in Hold tongues on. did and you I, say you fell out though yeah and i was and i was <laughs> super yeah. skeptical yeah. super this is by the way the uh this is the uh all the johnny mac fanboys and that whole day they, they hate me for telling this story oh yeah sure because sure. they're, they're like Ruslan is Nar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I fell out. Uh, Display anything charismatic. Nar. Nar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I fell out, and my buddy who was with me didn't. Nothing happened. He just stood there, right? Her and and when she started praying for me, her uh, her son stood behind me and like came behind me with a pillow, and I'm just kind of like. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> we got a pillow for like what is? Did this? they put a slanket on you? No, no, <laughs> no. Bare blanket, a slanket. <laughs> but I vividly remember something coming over me, falling out, uh, and then her her putting her hand on my on my like right here and saying, "Speak, child." And I started speaking in tongues, and it wasn't something that I just had to muster up. It sure. wasn't something that uh, I just started saying gibberish. And I it described it as vomiting words. It was, dude. It was, it was, it was weird. And I don't, yeah. I don't. At, back then, I definitely didn't have sure. language for it. But on the other side of that, there definitely became a um, cessationalist will call it like the gift of discernment. But it was definitely something different. Uh-huh. Like I can kind of sense things more, yeah. and I would kind of hear more directly. I've, I've yeah. had, I had a similar you experience know? after I, I spoke in tongues. I could preach. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll debate whether that's true or not. Um, but before I could we'll still I debate could, that. Yeah, so we'll that's see, true. We'll see what's true. You're a good um, But but uh, yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't preach before. I yeah. had no boldness. Yeah. I was timid. I was yeah. scared. I couldn't pull apart a text. Yep. Right. Yep. And then so, had an encounter with the Lord wait, that accompanied tongues. Yep. Couldn't pull apart a text. Also had learning disabilities. Oh, yeah. Dyslexia. I was dyslexic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Dude, I were healed, you were healed of? I am dyslexic. You are dyslexic. Right, right. But but the, to say that God empowered me alongside that so that it wasn't as, I don't know, cumbersome? Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Yeah. But I, I think what I would also say is that, so one thing we're touching on is that like we would affirm, so those who hold the second blessing theology, mm-hmm. the idea that like, Maybe you get saved, and then sometime later, you get blessed with a baptism in the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. where you get the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and your life changes and all of this. Yeah. There are some of your viewers who are like, yeah, that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And we would say, we would totally yeah, affirm, to me too. Sure. We affirm yeah, the experience. We totally yeah. affirm your experience. We just have different vocabulary. We don't call it baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't even pro- know what I call it. Yeah, there's probably a time. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah. probably a time in your life where you did call it baptism in the Holy oh, Spirit. For sure. But we would say, no, The bapti- for us, what we believe is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit happens at the moment of conversion. Right. So 1 Corinthians right. 12, 13, uh, for you have all been baptized in one spirit, he says, into yep. the body of Christ. Yep. So at conversion, at the moment we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that that's actually that which unites us with right. the body of Christ. We yep. become part of his church. Yep. And so, uh, and so we would say that doesn't necessarily come with speaking in mm-hmm. tongues, because in that same chapter, chapter 12... Mm-hmm. He says, are all prophets, are all sure. are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, yeah. do all speak in tongues? Yeah. Implied answer, no. So since we're the body of Christ, we all have different gifts. 
And so we would just say, second blessing, third blessing, give me 297th blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we'll all about that. Yep. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again, yep. but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we would say, yeah. is different. Just That's, semantics with yeah, really yeah, words yeah, yeah. At some I, point. I hear you. And yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think even, yeah, I don't think there needs to be strong positions on any of this stuff. I guess right. my, my next question would be, uh, why then are certain camps corporately praying in tongues? when there seems to be a pretty clear distinction it, that that's something that you need an interpreter for. Th this is actually why I do care about the debate, is because of that practice. Okay, that's right. I think the, the the Jack Hayford position, uh, like I remember being told this, I was confronting a leader because, a leader of a church I was in, and saying, mm -hmm. hey man, I, I don't like the fact that you're having people pray in tongues publicly, mm -hmm. and there's no interpretation. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and he says, well, that's because you have the gift of tongues. These people just have a prayer language. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So what they're saying Aha, is okay. the no, gift of helpful. tongues, yeah, yeah. they think the gift of tongues yep. needs to be interpreted. Yep. But prayer languages are between you, you and God. Pray to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, pray to God. You can tell people not to pray. It's like, well, hold on. The outcome is still the same. The That's very right. thing that Paul was trying to avoid is that right. unbelievers or people uninformed about gifts yeah. would step into that environment and go, these people are nuts. This That's right. These are, they're, they're, he says, they're going to think you're barbarians. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, so I don't want you doing that. I'd rather you speak in intelligible language yep. that they understand. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I love Paul at the end of this. He's like, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Mm -hmm. So he's certainly not trying to throw away the gift of tongues. He's yeah. saying, no, it's right. a great gift, yep. but it's not meant to be done in that setting or that context. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a conversation with a, my, my son's principal at, a, at his, my, my kid's principal at his mm -hmm. Christian school. Mm -hmm. um, he'd never heard about any of these things. He's like, what's this all about? Like, I had this experience where somebody was trying to get me to pray in tongues, mm -hmm. and I basically felt like she was condemning me for mm -hmm. not speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I imagine what she thinks is that if you pray in tongues, your your prayers are going to be more powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. I, I said, last thing I know, last thing I checked out was it's not the language that you pray in that makes your prayers powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. It's the humility in your heart. That's good. Um, tongues for me is not, and from what I understand from the scriptures and Paul, um, tongues is not about having your prayers be more powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. It's about those who are not so spiritual, who don't know how to pray and need mm -hmm. help. That's good. Like you ever prayed about a thing in a situation in life, mm -hmm. super painful, yeah. and you, yeah. you don't want to just keep saying the same words yeah. over and over yeah, to God, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you don't want to stop praying yes. because this is important to you. Yep. And so in that moment, God says, I get it. Yep. You've got this weakness. You don't know how to pray. Here, I'm going to help you out with mm. this and allow you to yeah. continue That's praying yeah. when your heart is, is in it. So fair to say if someone shows up to one of your guys' church on a Sunday morning, we're not going to hear everybody praying in tongues. No, Definitely not everyone's going to speak in tongues. If someone speaks in tongues, they'll probably be approached by us or one of our elders and say, hey, we have rules here. We ask that you kind of like follow those rules. Yeah. And now, what about if you guys were doing like a revival night or a worship night, something that was not a regular Sunday morning gathering? We I still know. Still not if, if there's unbelievers, the, uh, people uninformed about gifts present, I'm yeah. going to follow yeah. uh, Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians right. 14. I love but that. There, but there is such that. thing as, uh, is, we, we I, do I don't together. know. Like a like a tongues Nazi. Like what I mean by that is sure. somebody who's like, you know, three Christians having a prayer meeting. Yep. Like you're not allowed to speak in That's tongues good. out loud. That's, That's too far. Yeah. That's not what the text is about. The That's text good. is trying to prevent the unbeliever from walking in and being confused and being confused. That's right. Good. Right. That's good. So That's good. in it depends. So it basically comes down to how public is the meeting. Mm. Uh, is it a few Christians who are gathered for a, a prayer meeting? Yeah. Or is this like a bigger deal? Like you mentioned a worship night. To me. Worship nights, they're usually advertised. They're usually, you don't know, it's like maybe 99% mm -hmm. believers. 
probably even 100, but there's a decent chance in unbelievers. Right. Like, I would stay away that's from good. it there. But it's not just unbelievers. It's people also uninformed about That's games. right. Either that's one. he's trying to go through. That's yeah. Good. So conferences would be comfortable with that. Some prayer meetings would be comfortable with that. But again, uh, us three are together Well, praying. conferences, like you're saying, you'd be comfortable conferences with a whole bunch of people praying in tongues? Well, I mean, I would say, I would say context determines all of these things. But like in a conference where people are coming to learn and be trained in the spiritual oh, gifts, we're doing a breakout. You're, you're doing a breakout yeah, session where there's gonna be tongues and interpretation that will be practiced. That for sure. Okay. Yeah. But I would do tongues and interpretation on a Sunday morning. Sure. And we're kind of working our way up to it. We do prophecy every Sunday morning mm-hmm. from the stage. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll call out personal prophecies from the stage mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. because they end up edifying everybody when it's like, oh dang, that person's mail oh, was just read. Yeah. Uh, but that's also what we see in First Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. where it says the unbeliever falls to his face and declares. God, God is among certainly you. among you. Yep. Why? Because the secrets of his heart are revealed. That's good. So that's what we're going through. But I would also do tongues and interpretation. I right. just we're we're kind of like finding the tongues interpreters. I in think our all of us would would not be like let's speak in tongues at our conference. There's I don't think any of us no, have that at in, our conference. In, we are doing yes. a breakout though, but we're having a breakout yeah. that does have that. So I think yeah. I think we have the same impulse. But, so you're probably going to have tongues and then interpretation exercised as a demonstration of what you just taught on when you talk about tongues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the conference that we're doing in September, I'll make a quick little yeah, plug I was gonna in say, for that. Let's yeah. talk about the conference. Yeah, so we're doing... September uh, what? 14th uh, through 16th. 14th through 16th. Yeah. So it starts Bridgeway on a Thursday church, night, goes through Sunday. In Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City, Bridgeway Church. Uh, Which is your church. It's my church. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in this particular conference, we're going to be teaching on prophecy and hearing God. Okay. So we've got a number of different sessions we're going to cover, like... Does a prophet have to be infallible? Uh, what are the ways that God speaks? You know, covering things like revelation, interpretation, application, and, and good church practice when it comes to the gifts. And then we'll have various breakout sessions on another other, a number of other topics on the gifts. One of them that I'll be doing is on tongues and interpretation. Mm. And so I'll probably be teaching on the basic idea of what tongues is, yep. uh, and then have some friends who are, I would say, pretty consistently gifted in interpretation. Uh, so that people can actually see yeah. tongues and interpretation done in a public setting. That's so cool, man. I, I love... I mean, it sounds like a lot of the conference is going to be what we talked about in this pod, but just going deeper yeah. in a in a hands-on, tacit way. Yep. Well, in more practice and demonstration. Yeah. So people That's are so actually dope. not just going to hear about this content, they're yeah. going to see it demonstrated. That's so cool, man. I mean, yeah. if there's anyone that, that I'm excited talking about these things at a conference, it's you three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Because I'm just kind of like, ah! You gotta come oh, hang with cool. us, at our, at our last... If anyone else was doing a conference Dude, hey, thing. Share some testimonies. We've seen some crazy <laughs> yeah, things at happen. Our, at our last conference, we just happened upon it. Someone made a YouTube video about coming to our conference oh, yeah. and getting healed, and we... Yep. We didn't even like they. They it, just made the video. Uh, so we just happened the, across it. The way that, that video, she she tells the testimony of sitting in the back, being a little bit skeptical of this kind of stuff, yeah, and not wanting to be deceived. I mean, that's really the big thing. Sure. You know, these people who believe in the gifts theoretically, they just don't want to be Tricked to be taken again. in, yep. uh, charlatry, yep. that kind of stuff. Yep. And so we're there, and I I said, hey, I think I can't remember exactly. You guys have to remind me, but I think I said there's somebody in this section, I think your name is Rebecca, and you have an, you have colon issues. I don't know what the issue is, but I just heard colon issues. And Josh and I, in that moment, were like, come on, Michael, because it's just it's a little embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty specific. Like, You're either dead, hey, let right, me, or, Let me or, stand up yeah. for my colon issues, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. but Miller went for it. I went for it. Well, sure enough, this woman uh, comes down, and her name's Rebecca, and she's had six feet of her colon removed. Whoa. And has uh, issues with scar tissue and couldn't eat beef yeah couldn't eat beef oh she's a uh, major digestive it issues been a lifelong t- horrific if you were to mention like 
Like she tells her story and it was horrific. Yeah, yeah. And she'd wow. had a number of surgeries to get, you know, things back in yeah, order. But yeah, part yeah. of those surgeries were removal of six feet of her colon. And so here she is, uh, and and she's like, This is the issue of her life. Yeah. This is the secret of her heart that not every nobody else in this room would know, but mm -hmm. she and her husband know full well mm. this has been the major issue in her life. Mm. And so she comes down and we pray for her. Yep. And then we didn't find out till much later, just like, seeing the video. Almost two months later when well, she, she sent, sent an email. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She she emailed my church and uh, apparently she ate beef right afterwards and has been eaten. I think they beef for six like nights week. out of the next week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She hadn't been able to for yeah. so long. So. Okay. So uh I'm going to ask you guys one more question, and then if you guys got any questions for me, and then uh, I want to do one last topic for our Patreon exclusive. Sure. Okay, so question in the chat. Do you guys stand by the idea that the interpretation should be judged like prophecy? This is Joseph. I interpret some tongues, and I always try to follow the person judge the interpretation. Just curious if you do the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep. It's yeah. a form of revelation that Corporately, requires uh, judgment. Judging and weighing that. We had... Uh, a guy come in recently and teach on tongues, explain how it worked. Had a person um, speak in tongues, just mm -hmm. kind of like they would normal prayer, speak in tongues. And then we had everyone around saying, okay, what did you hear? Like, yep. do you feel like God led you to something? So we all wrote it down, what we thought God was saying. And there was one person that this thing about water, this other person about this thing that had a picture of a rock, and they're kind of putting this all together. And someone said, I heard Isaiah 45. Mm -hmm. We went to Isaiah 45, and, and all of the pictures were there in that text. Mm. It was really clear, cool. like how, okay. I love that as yeah, an yeah. example. It's, so, yeah, it's such a cool, yeah, It pulls us story. back to the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It pulls us back to the yeah. scriptures, yeah. and it was edifying and encouraging that, okay, we were all hearing, yep. and we were hearing the same thing. How cool is that? That's right. So, yeah. So, um, where can you get more information about the conference? Yeah, so remnantconferences.com. There's an S at the conferences. Conferences. Plural. Because you guys do multiple com. conferences. That's right. So that website will be refreshed every spring and fall, sometimes more than that. Two conferences at a least year. At least two, two conferences a year, a year right now, okay. what we're doing. So we did one on healing and deliverance. Um, saw lots of crazy cool stuff. And then we um, did one this year, this fall, that we'll be doing on prophecy and hearing God's voice. Cool. You guys so, got any questions for me before we go to the last segment? Hmm. I know. Just... That's so interesting. Um, I mean, as an as an interviewer, like I'm I'm curious, like um, wh where you're at in this space, because you're we, one of the things that we're always trying to identify is there are people that are open that believe in these things. There are people who are pursuing and going after these things, and I'd be curious where would you where would you identify yourself in that bracket? Oh, that's a great question. So I would probably say I'm closer to going after these things, but okay. I explained to you guys my church situation yeah, yeah. you yeah, know yeah, so yeah. it's been a little bumpy yeah, yeah. sure you know <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. but i would definitely say more towards pursuing what does that look like for you in terms of just like the day-to-day -day? Yeah, like how do you how are you pursuing um, spiritual gifts sp spiritual gifts i would say in a practical sense praying more and yeah. praying uh praying more praying for bigger things and then also trying to process the times i'm getting mm. uh words sure and like little divine nuggets and like is this for me mm -hmm. is this for the person when can i speak on this when can i share this with a friend so trying to process how to i don't say facilitate the prophetic voice but yeah something along those lines like i i hear from god sometimes it's very detailed you're processing how to be a good steward yes. of the manifold grace yes. of god that was given to you yeah <laughs> and, and, sounds like bible and <laughs> i'm getting certain things that i'm like I don't think I'm even supposed to share this with anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know that, that about something very detailed and specific. Yeah. And so trying to trying to navigate 
That's how good. to how to That's process space. that gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's you, good. yeah. And I want to. Did you know, have anybody disciple you in this kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, so the the, the whole Jesus Revolution thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some of the guys that came out of that that were friends with the Greg Glories and the Lonnie mm-hmm. Frisbees. Um, uh, one gentleman in particular named uh, uh, Stephen Maddox kind mm-hmm. of rolled in that circle, and then another gentleman, kind of his guy was eight two nine guy, right? I don't, I don't Maddox? remember. X for nine? No, 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 no. no. He was a little local. These are like little like okay. hippies that were like on LSD that all got oh, cool. saved, and they're all mm-hmm. from Southern California. Another yeah. guy, Don Don Absher, he used to be like our executive pastor. He's re- retired then. So, but mainly, I spent a good amount of time with Stephen Maddox um, when I first got saved. Like that was the guy that like. Mm-hmm. I mean, walking with me. Lonnie Frisbee, that guy was yeah. He moved in, moved in some crazy sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are like his guys, um, and they're. Maddox was was amazing, you know, and so um, so there was probably my first like four years of being saved. That was the guy that like discipled me, and I would just, man, we'd just be out, and they would do just weird stuff would happen, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we would do, uh, he would do, um, dream interpretations, mm-hmm. and then like m- like launch into ministry from that. Yeah. And so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Stephen Maddox was the guy, and um, a- and as of late, not not really, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that's helpful, man. Uh, come to the conference. Are you gonna let? Are you gonna come? This we'll September? see. We'll <laughs> see. I hate traveling, but this is you guys. Are, you guys are closing me on this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun, man. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah we, we're trying to. It's the most exciting to, event I do. Yeah. In the year. Well, then guys, we get yeah. to hang out. Like we don't. Yeah. We don't get to do that enough. Like you're in Denver. He's in Oklahoma City. It's an hour and a half from me. I live in Ada. But the three um, of us getting together is is always a, an event. So. Yeah, it's fun. I want to take my guys that that, that don't go uh, aren't as charismatic as I am. Oh, oh and take let them, them with me. Let them stand right so, behind us so while we're like <laughs> when we're writing stuff down. So that, yeah, yeah. Let them stand right with us when because man, when you see those people get healed, yeah. Like there are some moments oh, yeah. where people get healed, and there's other moments where people get healed, and it's like demonstrative. Yeah, and it like takes your oh. breath away and marks you forever. You yeah. know. Oh, you remember when um, when we at the convergence conference, you were sitting right next to me when I prayed for oh that lady. Yeah, and then and she heaved over and. And then you looked up, and this woman was just terrified. You're like, "That won't happen to you." Like, so I had somebody literally manifest and cough up a demon, Whoa. and the lady right behind her in, in line for prayer was like immediately like petrified. And I yeah. said, "Don't worry, yeah. that probably won't happen to you." Probably was the was no the, guarantees, probably. but probably not. Yeah, probably man, not gonna happen. Yeah, well, that's gonna lead us to our Patreon exclusive segment. We're gonna go over to Patreon. We got one more topic. I want to talk to these guys about deliverance. Can a Christian get a demon? Can you have a demon not know it? Remnant Radio guys, subscribe to them on YouTube. Check out the conference happening in Oklahoma City. And uh, yeah, thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Hey, if you want to see the extended version of this podcast, completely unedited, consider partnering with us in our online community for as little as $5 a month. In exchange, you get access to these podcasts As we stream them live before anyone else gets to see them, you get access to the replay of our daily after-party streams, access to our private Discord server, access to discount codes, and so much more. So help us continue conceptualizing the gospel through media, podcasting, and YouTube, and partner with us for as little as $5 a month. Also, be sure to follow us on the Spotify podcast app, on Facebook, and on Instagram. We're constantly posting content there that I think you'll find extremely valuable. All right, I'll see you over there. Peace.